0: We welcome you into the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame Induction. This is Vuvu Radio, and it's streaming live on Bob Long Sports. This is Bob Long. Alongside me is Eric Nash, creator of Vuvu Radio, and Rob Stott, my color commentator for LaSalle College High School football, and my partner in crime for the Philadelphia Soul official pregame show the Philadelphia Soul a part of this evening as well part of the pride of Philadelphia both them and the 2016 Villanova Wildcats being honored for their championships in the 2016 calendar year guys it's been a great day already we've had the opportunity to talk to Dick Hoops Weiss as well as Charlie Manuel those interviews coming your way later in the show and a lot more coming in the next few minutes as well. We're really excited to be here. Eric, let's start with you. How about this evening so well, far? Well I
1: just want to say I, I'm not worthy. For my <laughs> induction tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know I'm speechless. I, I don't they know, they didn't put my name here in this uh, Program, but I guess it was just an oversight. But no, all can decide. It's really like it's really wonderful because you know you know me I'm a real nostalgic kind of guy, and I'm old, so it kind of works for me. But what is better than sitting here with Charlie Manuel talking about the 1908 uh, and 1908 2008 uh, World Series? He's got the Cubs on his mind. With 19, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we talked to him about the Cubs too. I we mean, Cubs uh, and the Indians. And he's what a terrific guy. First of all, what a great first kind of class act! I mean, Charlie Miner literally—we're sitting in the the VIP uh, portion of the program. Um, they were nice enough here, Chuck Shields and, and and the O'Donnell sisters and everyone to hook us up here with this wonderful spot to do the show. But Charlie Miner literally just did our show. He got done about twenty minutes ago. He's made about fourteen <laughs> feet. Okay, he's still he can't get by the, the, the crowd. <laughs> just wanted to talk to him, and he's such a darn nice guy that he he won't he won't he'll answer every question. Every one of you WIP listeners that gave him a hard time, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna Eric, talk, I'm gonna talk is, to the camera about that man. <laughs> Eric, got Eric is already calling people to task. The camera <laughs> <laughs> didn't
0: work for uh, no, He's going there, so I want to make sure there. he doesn't
1: <laughs> takes care of things for. Okay, so here oh. we go. We
0: are off and rolling here on VUVA Radio. Excited. <laughs> (laughs) to be here we also had the opportunity to talk to ken avalon the president of philadelphia sports hall of fame we'll talk to him in just a few minutes, but let's quickly go through who is being honored tonight first and foremost: the 1966, 1967, 76ers basketball team. I was Mouthful alive. Bob. I was alive then. That congratulations. I was three, but
1: I was alive. That's okay. exciting, Eric. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the the team of Wilt it's Chamberlain. Well, at least I was a dead. Then, so <laughs> the, the team yeah. of Wilt Chamberlain, Billy Cunningham, Hal Greer. Bill Malchione, another Villanova guy there, uh, a great team, won 68 basketball games, was then the record for the most games won in, a, in, a, in an NBA season. In addition, Brian Dawkins, Charlie Manuel, they highlight the team of uh, guys that will be honored this evening. Dick Hoops-Weiss, we had the opportunity to talk with him. Wow. Al Severance, who has since passed away long-time 25-year head coach of Villanova. Jimmy Watson, a defenseman for the Flyers, played from 1972 to 1982, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Erica You mentioned that in 1966 you were alive, so you were absolutely alive. And yeah, he's 74 older than me. Watson's
1: older than me. I'm pretty certain. I'm trying to find his <laughs> date of birth right now. Okay, I know where you're going with this. Okay, but the <laughs> thing is, yeah, I didn't see Jimmy, but we we saw John Rennie. Oh, it's great, Bob. All, all kinds of dignitaries this running around. Dick this Weiss place. coming here and talking. You're right. Dick Weiss coming to talk to you was like, so in your wheelhouse, it's not even funny. (laughs) It was great. Why don't you just sit down for like 16 hours and talk about like college basketball, right? We could do that. (laughs) We could do that. Yeah, but he was a good guy, a bright guy, but a really nice guy. Everyone was so nice today. Very, I want to thank uh, Chuck Shields and and Ruth O'Donnell also, and I'm sorry, I don't use her married name because they go back to my high school, and Abraham Lincoln High School, class of 1982, Okay. 82, and uh, they look pretty good. Hey, Chuck looks pretty good. He's a weightlifter. He looks like he body slam all of us, doesn't he? <laughs> I believe I mean, he could. I mean, I don't. I don't Head of security he told me. He told me, go get your media credential. Don't come out with an e- back with an empty lanyard, or I'm gonna. You're gonna be the first one I boot out here. <laughs> I believe that. Uh, he's full. He's full of hideout. I think he's in a suit, like a muscle suit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll get yep. the sumo suits. I think he's in one of them. We'll, we'll
0: get through the guys that are being honored here tonight. Chris Eventually. Short, guys and gals. Chris Short, deceased, but mm-hmm. pitched for 14 years with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, his big thing in 1964, 2.20 ERA, which trailed only Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax, who went under, one, under two that year, 1.7 in terms what, of the best ERA that, in baseball. That, 1964. Is that when they,
1: low, when they, when they uh, lowered the mound? Because they did that because these guys were getting astronomically sure. low uh, ERAs.
0: Yeah. Uh, well,
1: somewhere around that time, 64, 65. At Eric, point.
0: one of the guys that was making that really difficult on those pitchers, though, and this was considerably before then, however, Leon Allen, and you know him as Goose. Goose Goslin, since deceased, a left fielder in the Major League Baseball, powerful left-handed swing. And he played 18 seasons with the Washington Senators, St. Louis Browns, and Detroit Tigers. Winning the t- batting title in 1928, he was a two-time World Series champion and always near the top of the league in average in RBIs. A Hailing from base, Salem, New Jersey. That's right. And that's where why,
1: there's the connection with him. And he is...
0: And a National uh, a baseball Hall of Famer up in Cooperstown. Exactly.
1: You know what's really amazing about this, guys? I mean, you look at this. If you look at Goose Goslin play, played, he was a great, magnificent lifetime 316 batting hours, you said. okay, yep. Okay. Um, you look at all the stats, but you look at when the guy played, you're talking two-time World Series champs, Senators in 24 and Tigers in 35. Yeah. So the guy probably retired, um, you know, 70 years ago, 35, right. 45. I mean, it's incredible. And they're remembering him, and that's terrific. It's and I, fantastic. I can't wait to see who is represented, I'm sure it'll be a granddaughter or something. And, and here's one
0: thing about him. It's, it's a great story, Rob and Eric. In 1928... The year he won the batting title, it wasn't decided until the last day of the season. Gosselin and Heine Mnuch of the (laughs) St. Louis Browns.
1: That was a big name back then, Heine. I
0: don't know why. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's something that's a German derivation. It probably is. Yeah, it's sure for
0: or something. So, Goslin that, was that leading. sounds close. Goslin <laughs> leading. Go <laughs> Eric, go ahead, man. <laughs> go ahead. You got I'm the story sorry. down? No, go ahead. Your story's better than mine. Probably. <laughs> I don't know about your that. So I'm sure your story's more
1: truthful than mine, anyways. So I'll let you go. You know what? Come that on. I would agree with. <laughs> okay, go go ahead. <laughs>
0: So Goslin leading, going into the final day, and af- actually the final at-bat in the ninth inning, manager Bucky Harris, he left the decision to Gosselin. You can either go in and take your last at-bat, or you can sit it out and assume the batting title. Goslin says, all right, sounds good by me. I'm going to sit out. <laughs> but his teammates goad him into doing so. He's like, no, you can't do that. You can't be a little wimp. You've got to go out there and hit the baseball. So he goes up there, takes strike one, takes strike two, Gets in the face of the home plate umpire, (laughs) trying to get himself thrown out of the game so it wouldn't count as an at-bat and he would win the batting title. Didn't work. Pokes one through the hole. Gets what he called a, quote, lucky hit and won the batting title nonetheless.
1: Interesting. It's interesting that he went for it because, you know, he, he wanted to, like... It out because you know, was not the story with uh, who was it that uh, DiMaggio was it DiMaggio?
0: It was Ted Williams, Ted
1: Williams, who, who played a doubleheader against the in Philadelphia in and the That last wasn't to season. win the
0: batting title, that was to stay above the
2: 400 mark.
1: Oh, uh, you're right, but that was even a bigger thing. That exactly. was even in a way, that was even
2: a bigger thing. More recently, didn't Miggy Cabrera, when he was going something, something with the triple crown, I feel like he did something along those lines where he was mm-hmm. either ahead in one of the categories or, or just very you know didn't need to take the at-bat, and, and didn't. He ended up not, if I remember right. <laughs> I gotta t-
0: Well, then I there, there was Jose that- Reyes, who bunted on Ugh. in the first Ugh. inning and then sat out the rest I of the, the t- i, I
1: got to <laughs> say that old Goose Goslin. I'm guessing, he must be looking down on us right now, so proud of that story that you told him about. Oh. Oh, now I'm going to say, Goose must be looking down on us, <laughs> <was> so proud <laughs> of you telling him I was going to wimp out to try to get the batting title. Okay. <laughs> you hey, really? Thanks, uh. nice. man. It was, uh, it's a, uh, you know, so that's a good thing though. but okay. But you know, he's still a great, great Philadelphian, even you know, he's from Jersey. He's from Jersey, so I don't even care. You know,
0: say I'm the Jersey's finest, the goose, goose gosling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's all hyped up for this, and for the folks <laughs> listening that, that weren't aware. so Charlie, Matthew, and me were like regaling each other with stories.
3: It's, oh, unbelievable. it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. So
0: we'll get through the final few here. Steve Fredericks, a sports talk show host and play-by-play announcer for college and pro games for 44 years. Great, great, years. great
1: sports talk show host. Very interesting. Controversial, not quite like Howard Eskin type, but he was in that in that kind of ilk. He said what he thought. He was a, was a very good guy. Good guy. He'll be missed. I'm glad he's being inducted here today.
0: Bang was his (laughs) go-to. Bang. Shot and bang. bang. I saw him at Syracuse (laughs) doing a a
1: Villanova game up at Syracuse when I was in school there in 88, maybe 89. And he was, yeah, so he was there. I'll leave it at that, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Nice guy, though. It was back in the days when Dick Vitale used to do free throw exhibitions before the game. You ever hear about that? Yeah. He, He would make about, like, you know 29 out of 30 free. He was really a great free throw shooter.
0: Vani Gras, the next one, All-American in field hockey and lacrosse at her sinus. Yeah, she Tw- turned me down for a date once. <laughs> 12-year <laughs> career as a head coach uh, for, for Westchester University and is now a member of the United States Field Hockey Hall of Fame, the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Marilyn Stevens, high school All-American at Simon Gratz, played college ball at Temple University, Big Five Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame Temple Athletics Hall of Fame, and was named inaugural A ten Women's Basketball. I met her before. She's my generation. Year? Bob 84, 20, 85, 13. Right? Yes, 80. yeah. She's my generation. She she turned me down
1: for a date though, but you know, that's okay. So it's okay. But that that's really good. I mean, it's good. See, this is though. These are names that we don't know, but I'm sure in her area of expertise, she's she's big time, and it's great for her and her family, and and for people who are here sports fans to know about her and more so even the guys like goose Goslin, who you know unless you have a grandfather telling you stories about him you're not going to know who he is yeah even even then that's
2: not happening it's a cool thing that they do and one of the things i love it you run down this list uh you, you look at the variety of sport so it's not just you know you got your big four there's the baseball the basketball football and hockey but then you you get to the 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 people that are you know you got your your bowlings your your Boxings and, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's sort of it's all over the place and it's it's just great to see that you know you you, you think of Philly and you, Philly and you think of it being a, an awesome sports town uh, a lot of passion and it, it plays through to, to even events like this where we're honoring some of the the best of the best no matter what the sport uh, and and sort of recognition like, they receive throughout like their Sylvia Wendy Martin you're talking yeah the area native unbelievable.
1: Philadelphia who you know uh, like myself is a member of the International Jewish Sports Hall of Fame so that like that's a big
2: deal you know.
0: Yep,
1: two in the
2: boxing sphere. Oh my God, diving! We got a diver here, Bruce Harlan. Unbelievable! It's funny,
1: you know. It's funny when you really think. I mean, Jeff Chandler, by the way, a wonderful boxer, bantamweight champion of the world.
2: Probably, well, not
0: probably, not the same time frame, but. Um, Herman Taylor, a guy that promoted tons and tons of fights as well. Russell Peltz told him that, said that he was the greatest fight promoter who ever lived. You mentioned Sylvia Wenny Martin, George Orton, a Canadian distance runner, and Bruce Harlan, the diver from the United States, Olympic champion in the 1948 Summer Olympics. I mean, that is our group. A lot of them still with us. Some of them, unfortunately, deceased and still nonetheless, I mean, the walls of sports, they really know no bounds. It's its a fantastic evening that we have in front of us. And at this point, we'll start to make our way towards our interviews that we promised. Ken Avalon, up first, he is the president of the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. And before we get to that interview, we want to open this up to our audience as well. We've been taking this on Twitter and other avenues today. We've gotten absolutely wonderful feedback, and we were able to use some of it in the Charlie Manuel interview, what is your favorite Philadelphia sports moment, your favorite Philadelphia sports player, sports team, whatever it may be? What about Philadelphia and Philadelphia sports gets you going? That's what we want to know, and we can feature that live on the air. Yeah, I think we should get a,
1: get a crack at that, each of us, our opinions on I that I think question. we can. Yeah, okay. It's only fair.
0: Yeah, It's only fair. But now we're going to go to Ken Avalon, the president of the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. He was very nice to spend some time with us, and here's Ken. And now we have Ken Avalon, president of the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame, with us here on VUVU Radio. Ken, it's a real pleasure to be here. This is a really peak, pinnacle night for you guys, and I'm sure you're excited to, to get going here this evening.
4: Yeah, it's always an exciting night. It's, it's Basically, it's our biggest night of the year. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. We have one annual induction, and it's always a big We like to call it one of the the biggest night on the Sporting uh, calendar for Philadelphia, aside from a game.
0: You had a legend last year in Dick Vermeule a coaching legend for the Philadelphia Eagles, this time on the baseball side. Charlie Manuel, Chuck, the guy that won the 2008 World Series managing the Philadelphia Phillies. What has he meant for Philadelphia sports, not just in the time he spent in the dugout, but in the time since now a senior advisor? What has he brought to Philadelphia athletics and Philadelphia baseball specifically?
4: Well, I mean, I, I think, I mean, you look at it, there's no there's no doubt Charlie's a Hall of Famer. He's I mean, the World Series, obviously, but He's also the all-time leader in wins. You know, games managed for the team, and um, I, I think he kind of just brought his, his folksiness. Like I, I think it kind of helps, kind of mellow things a little bit. I think I think Charlie kind of has that that personality to do that.
2: So we we also have uh, inductee tonight. One of the most recent, actually the most recent champion in Philadelphia, the the 2016 Philadelphia Soul. Uh, if uh, I'm correct, you know, Bob and I had the opportunity to call, do their, their pregame show this year. I had an awesome experience down there in, in South Philly watching those games. So how about a, a program like that? You know, you have a guy like Jaws at the top who, who obviously is very ingrained in, in, this, in this city, in this region. What, what, do, what does having them uh, in the Hall of Fame now uh, bring, bring to you guys?
4: Sure, just a clarification. The, the this Philadelphia Soul and the Villanova, they're not being inducted. It's the right. uh, it's the Pride of Philadelphia Award is okay. what what we gotcha. what gotcha. pride oh, and again and, re, and really it's it's literally honoring them for the achievement the championships for the year is really what that is it's, it's not it's not an induction it's really the you know for that particular season is what what the award's for
1: now Ken um maybe you know for some of our listeners I mean obviously they all know what a Hall of Fame is okay and they know what a Sports Hall of Fame is tell us about the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame and. You know how how it came about. You're you're about what, 12 years into it now. You know, uh, it's for, our 13th, indu- 13th induction yep. Yeah. So tell us. You know what. You know how it came about, and you know a little more about it because I assume there's a museum. There's a lot more to it than just this induction night. Right. And I it's, think people should know about that. Sure. Absolutely. Know, yeah.
4: yeah. The uh, the way it started. I i you may have, may have seen it. You know, written or heard me on the radio. But basically, I was literally I was reading a a Frank Fitzpatrick article. Um, and he said, wouldn't it be great if there was a Sports Hall of Fame in Philadelphia? And this was 14 years ago. I looked at it. I said, there's got to be. You know, there's got to be a Sports Hall of Fame for Philadelphia with the sports history. <laughs> so I spent you know, a month just doing research, looking. And you know, I found there's, there's like a Rowing Hall of Fame, Boxing Hall of Fame, uh, Philadelphia Jewish Sports Hall of right, Fame. But right. there is no real all-sports Hall of Fame for Philadelphia. So I reached out to some family members, some friends, and you know, we kind of got together and said, what do you guys think about trying to put this Hall of Fame together? They, they, they said, let's, let's let's try it. Let's see what we can do. Um, and what we were able to do, we had a lot of success reaching out to other regional sports halls of fame. Like Syracuse has one. Uh, you know, Colorado has one. At, uh, Virginia. So we asked them, you know, kind of what worked for you guys getting started, what didn't work. Um, so we spent about a year putting everything together. And our first induction was in uh, February of 2004.
1: And who was the uh, – is it an election? What's the process to, be, to get into the Hall of Fame?
4: Sure. There's a – Pretty much anybody can nominate anybody. And, and we have a filter for that. Obviously, you, can, you, know, you can't nominate Uncle Joe, um, but we have, we have a filtering process. You'd B- be surprised at how many people nominate Uncle Joe yeah. because he was you know, second team All Catholic. But um, <laughs> seriously, you know, he's a family legend. But, so we, there, there's a public nomination process, he goes on all, all year. And then what we do, we have a, a, a nomination committee where we're basically we pare that down um, to probably, it generally ends up being 35 to 40 names on a ballot. And we have we have uh, an advisory panel who suggests you know, different names. You know, kind of Ray Dinger helps out with football, um, Russell Peltz for boxing, p- people like right. that to help us kind of you know p- pare down the ballot. And then the ballot goes out to it's about 250 voters that vote for the uh, for each class every year. Who, how do they become a voter? Uh, basically, we have all, all living inductees. We give them a vote, and it's really it's uh, mostly local sports writers, um, you know, local coaches, sports historians, th- those types. Now, it's
1: interesting because I was, you know, looking at some of the inductees for this year and I saw Goose Gosselin. Now, there's a guy, I'm not sure when uh, Mr. Goslin died, but I'm, I'm going to say at least 60, 70 years ago probably he died. You know, his heyday was back in the 30s, I sure. believe. Sure. Right, yep. so we're talking 80 years ago. Yep. How does uh, Now, obviously, he's from Philadelphia, right? He's from South Jersey. Okay. Right. South, okay. South Jersey, Jersey. So yep. that's the connection. But, like, it's interesting. So I, I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing here to remember not only that the guy was a great baseball player, but he was a local guy. I don't think many people uh, of the, this generation or the last would know that, you know, would even necessarily know the name Gus Goss. But he was a wonderful, wonderful 300 lifet- 330 lifetime hitter. Somewhere around that. Yeah, you know, a, yeah. 300 hitter,
4: yeah, right. um, and he's, he's in Cooperstown. Right. And you're right, it's the kind of thing, it's, it's not that kind of a big name. Um, a similar guy is, is Roy Campanella. Most people probably sure. don't realize Roy Campanella is from Philadelphia. So, and that's what's great about what we do. It's, you know, it's people from, from the area, native, you know, native sons we call them. Reggie Jackson, grew up in Cheltenham. Yeah, you know, most people may not realize he's from the area. Uh, but then it's also the folks who, who came here and played here, You know, Schmidt, Carlton, Perrant, those types as well.
0: Ken Avalon, the president of the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame, joining us here at the outset of our show. Uh It's great to have you. And if I can get one sort of parting takeaway, because there are a lot of names, like we said at the top, that everybody knows, maybe Goose Gosselin, some of those guys that that you do not know. Let's take a guy like Herman Taylor, and I know you mentioned Russell Peltz. He was instrumental in getting him to this point. Uh, How about guys like Herman and, and folks like Sylvia Wayne Martin, folks that are completely, in today's day and age, off the beaten path but now have this moment, whether they're living or deceased, to have this time to shine and eventually shine forever as, as Hall of Famers.
4: Well, right off the bat, we wanted it to be all sports at all levels. And it's interesting that the two you mentioned, you know, one's bowling and one's boxing. Back in the, you know, 30s, 40s, and 50s, they were two really big sports. Believe it or not, bowling, bowling was on, you know, the front front sports page every week. You know, it's so hard to believe, but it was. And Sylvia, I mean, she was the first woman to roll, roll 300 games. Uh, she's in a bunch of halls of fame. She's been, you know, she won a couple of national titles. And then Herman Taylor, um, he basically set the standard for promoting fights I and mean, he promoted joe lewis rocky marciano uh, he was really heavy into the uh, the dempsey the big dempsey tunny fight right. so and you're right it's nice for us it's almost like the the, the folks that are less well known appreciate it more which is it's kind of interesting that way
0: it's very exciting, and Kevin, Ken Avalon, it's also exciting to have you on here with us. We know you have a very busy schedule, but thanks for taking some time to be with us here on VUVU Radio. It's been a, a real pleasure.
4: Anytime, guys. Appreciate it. There thanks, you go. All right. See so, you now. So that, that's wonderful. You're,
0: you're actually the founder,
1: Ken. Ken is the founder of the, of the organization. That's not just the president. He's the founder.
4: Uh, one of many founders. Okay. Yes.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Very good. <laughs> thanks again. We, we
4: appreciate the time. You bet, guys. Thanks.
0: Ken Avalon on with us. This is Vuvu Radio and it's streaming live on BobLongSports.com. We're here for the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony tonight. Bob Long, Rob Stott. That's a great interview with Ken. He he did a fantastic job.
2: Ken definitely had a a lot of great things to say. Interesting to sort of hear how he brought this thing, um, you know, up out of the ground. You know, sort of on a whim, thinking like, of course, it's Philadelphia. You know, we're going to have a Sports Hall of Fame in this town. Uh, You know, does a little research, find out that one doesn't exist, and um, here we are, you know, a half a dozen or so years later, and um, we're we're celebrating some some pretty cool people tonight. I think it's a really really interesting event and an awesome time and honor to be here. So
0: we're going to play our interview with Charlie Manuel in a little while here, as well as Dick Hoops Weiss. So I want to turn the attention to Brian Dawkins, one of the mm. other feature X-factor. headline, yeah, the the X Factor for that <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles team. For so many years, Brian Dawkins, a guy that revolutionized the way football is played here in Philadelphia, that heart, that attitude that I'm just going to come at you no matter what. And that's really what resounded with a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans across this, this great area, southeastern PA, New Jersey, down to Maryland. I mean, people that follow this team in this area. They there was something about Brian Dawkins that resonated with them, and it's not just the all pro play on the field.
2: Right, and it's it's really like you said, it's that blue collar sort of attitude that he took to to every game. You know, he was going to leave it all out there. Um, you know, nothing, nothing. You think back, I think you know, we we talk about the old uh, Madden references that we made. I, I think back to I forget what year exactly it was, but it was the opening credits of, of that game, and it was his his speech in the huddle. Uh, you know, really pumping pumping everyone up, talking about you, you You leave your heart out on the field, and that's just the way he played. And you think back to some of the best moments during that, that run that the Eagles had in the, the 2000s and um, you know, all the great hits. You think of Dawkins flying in midair. You got all the memes of, that were created and, and gifts of Dawkins flying in, in midair, you know, out of the, the atmosphere into outer space and things like that. People putting that, that hilarious-looking photo of him all over everything. And then just the, the hits that he would lay on people, I mean... The one that stands out, I think, obviously, is the 0-4 NFC Championship game. The Crumpler hit, yes, uh, just over yeah. the middle of the field, just destroying Algie Crumpler, uh, laying
0: out Algie Crumpler. Steve Dolan, one of our listeners, mentioned that, referenced that as one of his favorite moments. Oh,
2: just un- unbelievable! That was that's like what people needed to see. You know, three straight years getting to that title game and, and watching it fall. That's that moment there was, was sort of when you knew that uh, you know this this team was on a, a different level. Um, and you know he he was really the heart and soul of that defense embodied everything about the team and, and about Philadelphia and that's why i think he was just sort of one of the easiest guys and most lovable guys uh of the uh, of any Philadelphia athlete not not just the eagles in, in those years
0: he was one of those guys you're right that that everybody could relate to and i'm about to bring up two guys that you know maybe are a little tougher to relate to but but really were explosive players and again for people out there listening right now, tweet at us. It's at Bob Long Sports at Vuvuzela Blast, And let us know your favorite memory, your favorite player in Philadelphia history. We've already got fantastic feedback. Mike Cianchetta, one of our listeners, says, Miracle at the Meadowlands number two oh. or number three, depending upon how you look at it, whether the Westbrook one counts as number two and Deshaun Jackson returns as number three. But this one specifically, December 19, 2010, Deshaun Jackson returns the ball with no time left. To beat the giants thirty eight to thirty one and guys remember the importance of that game. The Eagles came in eight and four the giants nine and three it's late in the season opportunity to go in the division right or you're falling behind by two and, and very tough to climb out of. how much that game mattered that's what resonated with mike
2: <laughs> that's one of those games um, I, I remember where I was uh, you know it's one of those moments that sort of stands out in in my not even sports history, you know, sports fandom, just life in general. I remember thinking, I was driving, I lived in D.C. at the time, uh, and was driving back from Philadelphia, left at halftime. You know, that was a game that got out of hand early, if you guys remember. Uh, so that not only was the Jackson play the miracle, it was the, the whole comeback leading right. up yeah. to it. Yeah, that it game like it was done. 31-10, I turned it off on, on the highway, getting go, you know, close Absolutely. to D.C., driving down 295 there, and get home, turn on the TV. I, I, you know, Eight minutes left. And all of a sudden you get the little pass out to Macklin the, and Vic leading the drive, score a touchdown. All right, you know, things are things are sort of starting to roll back um, and they're getting back into it. And then just a, a few breaks here and there. And then it, it got up to that pinnacle moment. And I remember I had to leave to to drive to, you know, just getting home. I had to leave to drive to work already, driving home on a Sunday for uh, getting back to D.C. But um, listening to it in the car, that call, just the punt return, I'm like, there's no way this is going to happen. You hear it at first. It's the broken play. He fumbles the ball. He drops right, the right, catch. Right. And you, you, it's you like just Taylor picture Young. it in your head. Oh, and it's oh. like, oh, no. <laughs> Why did he play.
0: <laughs> punt the ball at him? I ah. never could understand Oh, that, oh, that was the
2: best Coughlin. Why did best he Coughlin, just put that out of, out of bounds? Just, I never Coughlin understood that line. In the in Coughlin face. Oh, Dodge. it was unbelievable. And, and just get yeah, getting into his face, but just dropping the ball on Jackson's end, fumbling it, picking it up, have, finding the lane, and then just running up and down the, the goal line. Trying to run out of time, quote unquote, so showboating Jackson, but just uh, we'll never forget where I am. And I want to hear my man Chuck Shields' opinion on this because
1: he's like a more more of a generation that I can relate to, young um, at heart. I love you, Eric. Okay, I love all you guys. Someone's it's got a fun it time,
3: yeah. night tonight at the, at the Sports Hall of Fame. It is every year. You guys should come out. You meet all the, the fans and you meet all everybody. Troy Troy is here tonight. Brian Dawkins is on his way. Uh, a lot of famous people here tonight. It's good to mingle, and I'm glad you guys could be here. It's your first time, so well, thank I'm you for really having excited us. I'm glad you guys are here. Yeah, th- I
1: t- yeah, yeah, thanks, Chuck. I, mean, I can't thank you enough. I mean, we j- I joke around, but you guys are great. Lincoln High School, man. Hey, beautiful rail splitter. Rail splitter, love there. Life. Lincoln soccer, beautiful yeah, thing. Ball State, yeah, I mentioned. watch Lincoln soccer just like I watch. all <laughs> I think soccer. he's <laughs>
0: making his case for the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame here. He, he's Sheer. got my vote, man. was trying got to me. make my case, but I can't.
1: I don't know. R- right. Ruth wants to talk about like Coach Grand- Grandizio. <laughs> yeah, I think he <laughs> may be up for it. Uh, yeah, Wally, who was your coach? Patton. Uh, the Ma- Patton, right, right, Mr. Rich Patton. I'm the sorry, Matt Rich Patton. Patton. By his name. He the Matt. The nickname for him. The He was my math teacher. I had a relationship with him. He was
3: a great guy. We still have. Listen, we also still have. We just had our tenth annual uh lincoln alumni soccer team game we have all the guys come out and every year we have we dedicated to the guys that passed before everybody else and stuff like that it's really awesome you guys should maybe come out that you always do the third year i mean the third um week we're in there october we are there you know what i'm saying it's really a, a good time uh, cool. i don't know if you remember uh, diego Diego in the morning, yeah, you want yeah, there too? yeah. 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 yeah no, he was yeah. also a Lincoln Soccer alumni. Yes, yes. Just remember this, yes, okay? The, uh, he there famous, you go. Well, he's Well, he's the most famous guy besides. Yeah, he's like Rocky. Remember Rocky <laughs> was
1: our biggest like alumni and yeah, remember they yeah. threw him out of the school. And now we have D- Diego of us to load out of my school. That's now we our, have Diego yeah.
3: and Eric and Chuck. That's he, awesome. Listen, I'm, I'm very happy you guys to be here. Have a good time. Wait, ask,
1: can yeah, we so. ask, him, ask him the question? Ask him the question. What's his? Because i would love I'm curious to hear what his answer is. I think you you can ask it, ask it, my friend. Well, I'm not Link, really sure what the question from from is. Lincoln Lincoln, okay. good, from Lincoln to Lincoln. I'm not that good. From okay, to Lincoln. Okay, Lincoln. <laughs> the, the, from Lincoln <laughs> to Lincoln, or Penn State to Lincoln, wherever you want to call it. But from Lincoln to Lincoln, Northeast Philadelphia, what was your greatest Philadelphia sports moment?
3: Oh, boy.
0: I, I'm going to guess that.
3: I'm going to write this down. Yeah, you can guess it. Okay, I'm going to write Well, listen.
0: Talk into your mic, Eric. I'm going to write it down. Um, well, listen, my senior
3: ahead. year, you know, I I actually went to Penn State for two years for a uh, um, scholarship. And um, my probably my best favorite moment was two things from Lincoln, I guess you could say. The championship game that we had against Washington that we lost, actually. But I actually had two... Awesome shots and stuff like that. I actually was in the paper when I beat Bartram. I actually had a 35 footer from the score to score the goal. I had two goals that game in the semifinal game against Bartram. And that's that a, that's 80, a good answer. 82. But I think but, we're
1: looking for something a little bigger. Like, some,
2: like then, <laughs> hey, that's big. To that him. You, Maybe that's that, big. Not to that him. the Lincoln
1: <laughs> the Lincoln highlights aren't big, <laughs> but let's talk about like your biggest Philadelphia moment, not yours personally. Meeting and,
3: as a fan, as meet, a fan, meeting Rocky. When wow. he came back to Lincoln High School. That's I bad. actually shook his hand. And I was, vi- the, I the, was actually <laughs> vice president of the class of 1982. There was remember. a real Rocky. People don't realize that. <laughs> He's like a real guy, game. right? but He came guy. back there, and you reme-
1: a, if you remember, a, yes, I, I want to say we were juniors when that happened. Yes. I don't yes, think we, we were. were. We weren't seniors. So it was like we 81 seniors. or 81, something. 81. Exactly and the right. funny thing I remember about that is that was going to be, I want to say, was in Rocky 2 or 3? I'm not sure which one. It was
3: actually... Two, I believe. because yeah. he actually wore the italian robe in that movie. and wow. right, but
1: what was the end of the end result of that whole thing? <laughs> they we we ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, we did. Unfortunately, but, they had a whole scene where he was getting an award. Yes. The, the fictitious so, yeah. Rocky Balboa was getting an award, and everybody was there. the but, the, the The band, but everybody, everybody but and they had, cut us off. <laughs> but he actually said the black
3: and goldies from his alumni. So. He actually mentioned him. That's That's awesome. Out. How cool is that, that? It but. was still cool. I, yeah, that's great what, that you get to be right What did you them. write down? Well, I, well I, I, I want to ask you what your <laughs> biggest Philadelphia
1: sports moment is. That's what I went with. Not Forget about any individual person. What's as your biggest a kid
3: or moment? as an adult? As either. Whatever uh, your I'm a Flyers moment. fan, so, so I have to go been? with the two Stanley Cups and the Philadelphia Flyers. Sir? What did he write down?
2: He wrote down Flyers <laughs> Stanley Cup 74. <laughs> That was now, good. If, that,
0: if that was incorrect, he would have crumpled up the
2: card. <laughs> right, <his> right, right. <laughs> it's like the amazing Cresskin over here. When okay, the Phillies, yeah. When the
3: Phillies won the last time that they won. Was it was a two thousand I actually lived by Compton and Tarzal. Oh, Everybody was at my house. That was great. And you know, as a Philadelphia Phillies fan, that you go to Common. That was Antarctica. where to go. No, you are. Right. You know what? The whole street was closed down, and that's another moment that I'll never ever forget. Was there today. major violence
1: there? Like did no they knock violence, over it? No. No, no bus got tipped over. Philly, okay. Guy, right? I remember being. <laughs> I remember awesome. being on the Boulevard somewhere, like maybe Welsh or the Boulevard or somewhere, because that's where I live. Yeah. Let me, okay. So the second part of the question was, well, who was your greatest Philadelphia athlete? Am I right, Bob? Is that a second part of it? Okay. Well, and then I'll do mine, so we'll see how well, close we are. Well, you want to write this one down? i probably.
3: Oh, wait, me, all right. Gonna He's going to write it down. Well, uh, there's probably, I'm gonna, there's probably cool. two, so write two down because there's two that are like uh, dear to my heart. Probably, so.
2: Something tells me they're probably
3: related. <laughs> as, Eric, as Eric
2: writes these two no. down,
3: they're totally opposite. I'm in. I have to go with definitely to the guy who's being honored tonight with Brian Dawkins. Okay, that would not be one of the ones. That, nope. What's the other that, one? Who gives you the inspiration for sports? Gives you determination and the will to fight to play the game. I, and I, the I, other I one is. Okay. And the other ones would be being a Flyers fan would be Bernie Perron. Oh,
2: you you whiffed on both.
3: You went. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Five hole on, yeah. Uh, uh, five have, hole on. Have, Clark and Schultz. I went close to Clark uh, and Schultz. Yeah, Clark's good, but it, I was. A I'm goalie, surprised. Yeah,
1: yeah, so. okay. That's, I didn't. Know you know
0: that. who didn't get beaten five hole very often though was Bernie Parrott. <laughs> Bernie,
1: Bernie Parrott. And by the way, do you remember how small those goalie pads were with <laughs> Oh, the oh man. I mean, the Bernie was on. Un- oh my god, oh, Bernie was unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, you know that's a great pick. I can't. I mean, Schultz was. Schultz and Clark was. I mean, that uh, you can't go wrong with any of those three guys. No.
3: So, I got to run because I have to do my thing. Listen, a, a pleasure meeting all you guys. I hope you come back next year. You're invited Thank you next so much. year. I'll see you. I'll text Eric about the <laughs> soccer <laughs> alumni game, and he's going to play. And we're going to get that on video, <laughs> We'll okay? call that. That's if nice playing a 52, <laughs> he's playing a 51. There you go. All right? You guys my, have a good night. You thank you. You too. Thanks Thanks, Chuck. Man,
1: I appreciate everything, pal. Uh, my dad always told me to never – I was like Groucho Marx. Never become a – join a club that would have me as a member, okay? That's just <laughs> – you know, and I kind of live my life like that. So, wait. Do I get to play my – Yes, know, I you did, do. I heard – I heard some of it, but what was it? your pick was Brian Daw- Dawkins, right?
2: No, oh, I haven't given a pick. I'm, oh, I'm still
0: still talking about it. We oh. were just talking yeah. about uh Just generally about the him. Eagles and, and, and what he brought to this fan base. Yeah, well, I'm not a big enough Eagles fan, but I can talk about the New Orleans, Orleans Saints with you. How about we right? don't? Okay. This right. is Philly Sports
1: Hall of Fame. No, uh, not you're right. Uh, okay,
0: well, let me little talk little about – well, what can I oh, talk Oh, wait, about? Rob Ryan. I knew. Oh, All right, there guy. we go. There's the connection. Yes, there's your New Orleans, New Orleans Saints favorite. Rob Grom- who? Rob Ryan. Ryan.
2: You're best yeah, the big greatest fans. Saints defensive coordinator of all time. Yeah, he. Oh, you, Rob, Rob, Give me a <laughs> <talking>, You know, <laughs> really, if you, you know. want your
1: defense to be the worst in the league, he's the guy. Hire Rob He's Ryan. the guy. Yeah, but you have to admit he's got a nice belly. He does. I mean, you got to give credit for that. But yeah, he's pretty. Him scary. and me both. But the <laughs> thing is, the thing is, uh wow. So oh, can I give you my favorite Philadelphia? Yes, it's absolutely. Me. Okay, well, I'm going to have to say my flyer. My favorite player. This is kind of a little, kind of off the wall. And I guess in his later years, he wasn't so popular. But my favorite player, because I was an infielder as a kid, and baseball was my game, was Larry Bella. Okay? He was a great player, kind of a very, like a no-hit great fielder who made himself into a 280 hitter by the end of his career. You know what I mean? But he was like a spark plug. You know, him, him like guys like him with Pete Rose, and, you know, that's what kind of made them win their first uh, World Series. You know, guys like that. My worst, My worst Philadelphia moment by far is the two straight, Championship game losses Mm. in the NFC because I was there, probably paid four or five hundred bucks for a ticket and took my steps on there to both of those games, and he lost his ticket. (sighs) He was so busy putting heat warmers in his head because it was like below freezing wind chill, below zero wind chill, yeah. that he did that that the ticket caught the wind and just flew
0: down oh, the street. And no. Never found it.
1: <laughs> so he was waiting. Somebody he, he, found it. He I got in. No, no one ever took that seat. I'll tell you that was wow. the seat next to me. So that that literally that that Tampa Bay game, what year was that? Oh, th- oh three? Two? Oh two. That game, I was there, and if you remember, it was under 32 degrees, and the whole thing oh, yeah. was Tampa Nevers yep. won a game when it was under 32 degrees. Yep. Yeah, all this nonsense rhetoric, which meant nothing. And uh, what's his, uh Joe is from Penn oh. State is still running, though, okay? <laughs> because Jeremiah Trotter was not there to catch him because they wouldn't pay five cents more and a SEPTA token to keep him, okay? So Link, LeVon Kirkland was still, oh. still chasing it to this day. But that was the worst. I guess certainly the Phillies winning... The, the World Series in 80. I know yep. that's, but that was the first one. And it was after a period of time, 76, 77, 78, where they were a really good team. 77, they may have been the best team in the league. Unfortunately, they ran into the big red machine with Pete Rose when he was a red, Johnny Bench, and the Dodgers teams that were very, very good. Right. And they just couldn't get over the hump.
0: 79, now, right. We, we do have one of the folks here, Brendan Kearney, one of our listeners, Tug McGraw. His favorite Philly oh, of all yeah. time, and yeah. his best moment for the Phillies—throwing his glove into the air in 1980, the famous leap. Beat Kansas City fell behind in that
1: series, came back, won it in six, forty-two, games, I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Tug McGraw was the man, hard, hard like a lion. Rest his soul. Wonderful, wonderful, yeah. wonderful closer, and, you t- you t- and a t- funny guy too. You, you know,
2: you talk about Philly sports and years. I know we weren't around for this, Bob. But you, you think to some of the greatest years individual years in Philly sports. I know we only had the one championship that year uh, with with the Phillies 1980, but you had um, the the Sixers that in 1980 year we had all four yep. all four teams essentially were in a position where they were either in the title game or title, you know, championship round and uh just an unbelievable um, That's a good point
1: and they lost Time three in that out year. They did. They lost 3 out of 4 championships. Right, right. That was a heartbreaker, but and you know, we, we, it's, I was a young kid. Say I was about 16 at that time or whatever. And, and the funny thing about it was we just thought that it would always be, be like that. <laughs> like when, the, when the, it, it blows my mind when you guys talk. And I, Wouldn't like it be guys, so there's nice? There's such a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. It amazes me you weren't around in the 70s and the 80s. Like you weren't there <laughs> when Veterans Stadium was rattling when, when Tug McGraw made that last pitch oh. and threw Eric, his glove off there in the There's a yeah. song
0: by Darius Rucker who's now a country song. Uh, songwriter and singer, right. and he was originally with Hootie and the Blowfish. There's a new country song out there, It Won't Be Like This For Long. And <laughs> that's exactly the feeling. I mean, it's a not-for-long, not only NFL, not-for-long type of sports culture that, it is, that right. we have in this country right now. And so you look back to 1980. And all the success that was had, Flyers winning the Stanley Cup five years before, Sixers to win three years after, Phillies winning it right there. It's just one of those gold prime golden years that folks that lived through that era will never forget. That year, I was a big Flyers fan back then. Um, that year, the Flyers had a
1: 35-game unbeaten streak. 35? Yeah, right. I, I remember that. I think that. 25 wins 10 draws, that? something like that,
3: 10 ties. I was going to say. But like, dating, well, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> no but I'll tell you what, and they didn't win the <laughs> championship, but that was heartbreaking. No, they
1: uh, heartbreaking. Was the 1977 Philadelphia 76ers, up two nothing against Bill Walton's Portland Trailblazers, lost in six games. Yep. heartbreaking. I had I had my buddy Brian once again still remembers. I had a, a big uh, scrapbook back in the days when people had newspapers. I kept I kept the box score and pictures from every single game, all Ugh. and playoffs. When they lost that game, I ripped it apart. My Brian still won't forgive me. That I he goes, how could you do that to that masterpiece? You yeah, know, I made that all myself. I was that's so not good. I was so sad. I mean, I could. I, it, it just broke my heart. I didn't want to ever see anything from that season again. And they owed us one, and then they owed us two, and eventually they paid off an '83. You, you, know, you guys don't remember? We owe you one. That was their <laughs> their slogan. Yeah,
0: we yeah, owe you one. That's right. That, now yeah. speaking of legendary teams that the Sixers have gone against. Fun fact about the team that is being honored here tonight. We'll get to some Sixers discussion as well. 1966-1967 Philadelphia 76ers won 68 games, won the title in 1968, uh, or 67, excuse me, won another in that period and over a 13-year period where Bill Russell and the Boston Celtics won 11 championships. The Philadelphia 76ers were the only other team in that 13 year period surrounding that to win a title. They won two, one of which was that champion 1966 67 team. That's a great,
1: that's a good fact. And who, what
0: a similar type of fact. Who was
1: the only team to have a blemish on Vince Lombardi in the championship game? That would be the Philadelphia that would be Eagles. In the 1960, 1960 Eagles, lost that championship game. Was not the Super Bowl then? I lost the that game, NFL and he said, I'll never lose it again, and he never did. He never, There was years he didn't win it, but he never lost the big game.
0: I'll never lose a rescheduled NFL championship <laughs> again. Remember, there was a blizzard, yep. and they didn't play that on the day it was supposed How to be played. do you remember that? I don't remember that. I was on board. They then. played it on a that. Monday. Yeah, It was at Franklin Field. That's it was true. a 17-13 to 13 win by the Eagles. And, oh, by the way, so Rob and I call LaSalle College High School football in this area. That was only... 16 days after they won the Philadelphia Catholic League in that very venue against St. Joseph's Prep in the year 1960. That's really
2: wild. And we know Franklin that because Field. we were down at Franklin Field this year to call call a game. Call a game. That's
1: awesome because that's a, that's a neat place. All those Penn places on Penn's campus are really, nice, are really cool. The Incredible are, experience. Yeah, but it, it's great because, yeah, I mean, I wasn't there. It's funny because in some ways I feel like I was there. I think that might be Mr. Dawkins. Uh, that no, it? I no? think that's,
2: that's Mr. Jay Wright over there getting his picture taken. Oh, obviously. really? Yes. So, so, see, we sit oh. here and we okay. see some just yeah, we have a good spot. fun people. We got, some, we got some cool people walking in and out of here, Bob. Wow. Bob, are you okay? I'm good. You <laughs> need a fan? I'm good. I got a fan over here, Bob. You guys take this for a <laughs> second. I'll see if we can grab Jack.
0: Oh yeah,
1: look—he's well, see there you go. I goes. think he's getting a as little, we, as little we puppy said. love going on. So here, there it okay? is. So <laughs> really? He <laughs> so can rub his coat for keys. good luck. I think. <laughs> Give him a hug. No, That's Jay. Wright, Yeah. Did you see that? Like a humming, like a, like a, like a hummingbird. His Ray was on that. Phew. Like a, like he had sonar, honing missiles. <laughs> yeah, really. He's Watch he's out, man. In, he's going in. Get the kids in the cellar, man. Bob's Bob's
2: gonna explode. Circling like do? a shark right now. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's okay. He's got to he's got to earn his keep, man. And that's it, okay. We're okay with that. Of course,
2: but, those those wildcats, Jays here for um you know the the pride of Philadelphia award that is a. Uh, Nova Wildcats are getting this year after that incredible championship game. It really what was it? incredible, I mean, best it? ever. Yeah. It's got to go down as the See, best ever. but effort. you guys,
1: I'll tell you why. You don't remember the 85. Right. No, no. You, you nope. can't. Uh, That's just 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah um, 40 years ago. 31. 31. 31. Okay. Anyway, before your time. But let me tell you, that was, that was. I think that was better. The only reason I say it was better, first of
2: all, they were a lower,
1: higher seed. A, a right. higher so no, still, they still,
2: they still remain the uh, the lowest seed right. to ever when win it, a like title. An eight seed or something. Eight or seed beating, right. beating
1: the and, top and, seeded. And, and they beat Georgetown. And when, when you know, it's very funny that Hoops White said this, but it was really true. I watched that game. I was up at Penn State. I was a freshman or sophomore. at Penn State. I was watching the game on TV. But I just remembered they had to play the perfect game. They, he, he's right. They had to shoot eighty-seven percent to win that game. That was so cra- It was so crazy, and they did.
2: Yeah, this is unbelievable. Well, Bob's unbelievable. back, not yeah, not, McCann- not with oh Jay right. Ray, Mikey. Vance. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. All right, we we
0: now have Mike Missinelli on with us here. This is the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony, coming straight from your show that ended at six. So uh, yes, indeed, you are a hustler today, yeah, Mike. I slap <laughs> on the suit. I, I didn't do the show in the suit <laughs> right. tonight. So, Mike, uh, you have the opportunity, like you said, to introduce Steve Fredericks. Yes. Um, that opportunity, I'm sure, is not lost, lost on you, everything that he was able um, yeah, he to do. Yeah, uh, he was city. my
5: mentor. They threw us together uh, many years ago, I guess 1992. I was this green guy just from newspapers, and uh, I'd done some sports talk radio on weekends, and they gave us the evening drive spot. And uh, I was kind of intimidated because Steve was a radio pro, and I didn't really know how to do radio at the time. But we found a niche, and we blended together, and we had a pretty good run for a little while.
1: I listened to it religiously. <laughs> I really did. I mean, I mean, that yeah. was a, that's well, it's still a big spot, but that was that was terrific. Thing, he but he was great. Be, he, uh, was yeah, great. Yeah, he was great. He
5: allowed me yeah. to be a wise guy and uh, abuse him every now and then, and <laughs> that worked for the show because you know I was the brash young kid and he was the uh, wise sage.
0: Well, you know what? You still have some of that brash, that youthfulness. <laughs> well, yeah, we love listening to your show every every day uh, when I'm driving along, and you know to have a guy like Steve as your mentor you 've mentioned the things that you were able to take away from him, but what was what was that number one thing
5: The number one thing was how to be a pro uh, how to be a radio pro he 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 really was brought up in in radio radio radio, so he knew all the nuances of radio he He had a great gift for the language and uh he was he was such a learned man he, he knew he knew things about, uh, stuff about everything that we thought, no matter what the subject was. That's, we were able to talk a lot about modern culture, and we would mix politics in every now and then, but uh, he, he was a great guy to bounce stuff off of. And you'd always get a great response from him, and it was really fun to do the show with him.
0: This is Mike Missanelli. He's on with us on VUVU Radio. It's streaming live on Bob Long Sports from the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Is this your first time here, Mike?
5: No, I've uh, been here a couple times. They always do a great job, and uh, you know, the people that get in they really deserve it of getting in. And uh, I know St- uh, Steve would laugh at this, though it's funny because <laughs> he would uh, he would be the last guy that would think that he would be uh, you know in, in any kind of hall of, uh, hall of fame. He never really uh, uh, got carried away with himself, which was a good thing. And you know he he also had some uh, off off the uh, off the air battles that he he won. And uh, for you know, he was most proud of the fact that he was sober for like the last twenty years of his life. <laughs> yeah, that but was a But he was deal. he yes. would tell me some Absolutely. fantastic stories back in the day uh, when uh, you know when he was. A, well, he he had such a vast experience. He did the Boston Bruins. He did the the Seventy Sixers. He was he was a star in Boston and Philadelphia. So two major cities was uh, was pretty pretty good.
1: Mike, was he the announcer for the Sixers in '67? Uh,
5: did he have it here? It he, you know, he seven. might have been. I'm not really sure. Uh, I know he was in the uh, in the late '70s into the early '80s. Uh.
1: It says radio play-by-play
0: 76ers, 1960s, and 80s. That's why.
5: Yeah, he might have been. He might uh, have been around that long. I I think um, he was maybe in Boston in the 60s.
0: There's a lot of inductees on the broadcasting, sportscasting Mm. side. Bill Campbell already. Yeah in the Hall of Fame. And now, Mike, we had an opportunity to talk with Dick Weiss, Dick Hoops mm-hmm. Weiss, who I know you've had on your show oh, yeah, as well. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we got into to some of the college game and Villanova and everything they've been able to do. Uh, from your perspective here, you have a Philadelphia soul team that's also earning the Pride of Philadelphia Award tonight. They were on your airways, 97.5 mm-hmm. this year. Exactly. And uh, and Villanova, national champion. Mm-hmm. I know you've had Jay on many times. Yes. To have that type of success – in this
5: town what's that mean i think that uh, we deserve more success frankly (laughs) (laughs) you know we get to the uh you know we the eagles really have to be the one that that if the eagles win a super bowl i think this town would would just collapse Uh, that's the big one that's the the holy grail is the eagles winning a super bowl but uh you know it's funny um in the pecking order right now i i have looked at this thing from afar and i put it out that in 2020 all four teams will be a contender and we'll have two championships in the year by the year 2020 in the year 2020 i don't know i don't don't know what teams they are right now but i think I'm, i'm feeling good about the direction the swing of the teams in this city right now
0: one team that dick was especially feeling pretty good about with a little bit of reservation for injuries as the Philadelphia 76ers, and for good reason. With Ben Simmons, he was concerned about his agent holding him out for the rest of the year. I don't blame him for that. For Joel Embiid when he's at full go, when he really has no miniature games restriction – don't know when that will be, but when all cylinders are firing, that's an extremely talented team yeah, well, that I, needs, I, a, needs a guy or two, needs I, I, a
5: point guard. Yeah, I can't wait for Simmons to play. That was so disappointing that uh, he wasn't going to be part of this early process, and I would love to see what he can do playing off Embiid. But. Uh it looks like Okafor is an odd man out right now, so uh, I don't know what they're going to do at center. They're going to have to make some kind of a deal to get a perimeter game. They really don't have that right now, so they're they're a couple years away. But you know, with the draft picks they have next year, they're probably going to be able to fill some spots in the perimeter.
2: You mentioned you know the Eagles, and if they were to win the Super Bowl, the town would explode. Looking at them right now, Carson Wentz, uh, just getting your thoughts. I know it's uh, you talk about a guy like Embiid, and we we were saying earlier that you know you don't want to. It's so early in their career, you don't want to overreact on them. Are people? In, in your opinion, looking, you know, eight, nine games in now on Carson Wentz, what, is, uh, what are think, you seeing in him? I think
5: he's a franchise quarterback. I think they're they're blessed to have that guy now for the next ten years. It's like McNabb. You don't have to worry about that position, you know, barring any injury. But he's he's got all that, that it takes to be a franchise quarterback. And now it's just a matter of putting an offense around him. He has nothing around him right now. And it's a shame because they can't throw the ball down the field. And, uh, you know, what happened with Huff today, they're going to have to bring a, uh, fill a roster spot and maybe give a young guy a chance like Treggs or uh, – Paul Turner so uh, we'll see what happens with them but uh, that position is solidified and I'm, I'm convinced and, and confident in it.
2: Does that harken you back to the early days of McNabb you think of that you had the thrash and, thrash and all those guys yeah. like the lack of receiver
5: depth in it. Yeah the thing that made McNabb good with the lack of receivers was he, he was able to improvise with his legs a lot and uh, Wentz I think they're trying to steer him away from that so they don't, they don't want him which I think is a good strategy so meanwhile we'll see the thinking and dunks and hopefully they can win that way
0: Mike Missanelli from 97.5 The Fanatic. I know probably the last thing you want to do after a four-hour radio show is some more radio. So <laughs> we do appreciate the time coming on. Oh, my
5: uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you All down right, the road. Take care.
0: It's Mike Missanelli from 97.5 The Fanatic. And again, introducing Steve Fredericks this evening. That's Mike Missanelli, uh, a guy that helped him through was very the, nice the stages where he came up through the ranks of the radio sphere. Great to talk to him.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So it's interesting that he's uh, he's uh, introducing Jay Wright. Is there a connection there? Like, Steve, are they friends? Steve Fredericks. He's not well, introduced. i so yeah. The, the radio connection there. Wait. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I got that mixed up. Okay, well, <laughs> that makes sense, right? That makes more sense. Okay, thank you.
0: So this is Vuvu Radio and it's live from the Philadelphia Hall of Fame induction ceremony. As we mentioned before, the folks have kind of moved into the main room. We had a lot of hubbub, a lot of sound, a lot of Great action and great interviews during the media portion of today. And as we mentioned, Mike Missanelli, he's coming over from his radio show. So a little bit late, we were able to snag him here in a great interview with Mike. Uh, next up, we're going to have Dick Hoops Weiss come on. And, Eric, I want to hear your thoughts on what that interview was like.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I love a guy that, that that speaks from perspective. And, and this are talking about a man that's got almost 50 years of more than fifty years of fandom, you know, but certainly, you know, he's an he's an eloquent guy. And the point is, I like I like to hear what he said. And that's why I wanted to ask him, "Who are your Who are your like top players in college?" Because apparently, college is his thing, right? Would that
0: be fair? Oh, uh, I think so. a little more than like pro. but I wasn't. I'm a little partial on anywhere. that, but I think so.
1: Right. So, but well, I wanted to ask him, and he did. And we did get a chance to ask him who his best players were, and asked him to compare. The old Jordan against Will uh, comparison and rivalry and argument. So it's a really, really good argument. A quick 15, 20 minutes that I think you're going to enjoy. Yeah, well, I know you're going to enjoy. It. Really,
0: <laughs> the, the New York Daily News beat writer Dick Hoops Weiss, a guy, and you'll hear why he earned that nickname, but a guy that just lived in the gym and not putting up shots, but observing the game, learning the game. Absorbing his craft right. and making himself the best writer that he could be. And he's a very worthy inductee into the Hall of Fame this evening. Dick Hoops Weiss, and then after him, we'll have the skipper, Charlie Manuel, to close things down here this evening. Really excited to, to have that interview and to, to let you guys be privy to some of the wonderful opportunities we've had here tonight. Bob Long, Eric Nash, Rob Stott alongside BLS, where we're streaming Voo Radio this evening, is the official pregame show of the Philadelphia Soul. They're also earning the Pride of Philadelphia yeah. Award this evening, and we've also had pregame shows at the Pavilion, the Villanova Wildcats. So two teams earning their way as the two. Pride of Philadelphia. It's great to be here and, and be part of that Two this teams evening. that
1: certainly have your love for them to some extent you know, especially to Villanova you know <laughs> you know, and you, you know you know, doing stuff for the soul I mean it really is ama- interesting now both those those sides are being how it all comes together or maybe you're just a
0: good luck charm
1: man you ever think of that <laughs> maybe I mean, we, think we about we the do, outcome here we
0: do talk about the BLS bump the teams we broadcast the guys we have <laughs> on for interviews the BLS bump it's real and it's spectacular so Mike Vincinelli
1: <laughs> should expect a bump of in ratings, ratings bumped, this, you know, this, this quarter you okay? know I don't know that yeah. he needs it but a little <laughs> bump can't hurt anybody bump never hurt anybody there there's a station a unless bit you're a pregnant down. lady you get a car and you go over a heavy bump that could be difficult Publicize there you go
0: that. <laughs> there, there's a station down the dial that uh, that they they don't speak the name of like uh, michigan <laughs> and ohio state but you gotta always stay ahead of the joneses but speaking of our friend dick weiss let's go to his interview right now dick hoops weiss of the new york daily news all right, now we have on Voo Radio here on Bob Long Sports, we have Dick Hoops Weiss, and he needs no introduction. The man has spent 20 years in Philadelphia covering basketball, spent 20 years up in New York with the New York Daily News, covering national hoops, and now traveling internationally, covering Rio with Blue Star and, and the Big Ten Network. He does things still here domestically. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have you on, Dick. And, it's and my pleasure, Bob. On, on yeah, thank everything you here so much. Uh,
6: no, I. I love being back in Philadelphia. I love being back in Philadelphia during basketball season. I keep hoping that the 76ers, young players, will materialize and will have something to talk about in April. We'll see what happens. Uh, the college basketball scene here is very stable, particularly at Villanova, where they're coming off a national championship season and should be a top-four team preseason going into this year.
0: Yes, they play actually on Saturday, a noon tip-off in an they exhibition do. against IUP. And you mentioned Houston. You were down there in Houston, one of 45 trips to the Final Four. I know. It's pretty amazing. Every 31 years, a
6: Philadelphia your team wins the national championship. <laughs> That's right. It, with it, Salon, it 54? happened in 54 with LaSalle. Yeah. It happened in 85 with Vonova and now it happened last year with Vonova. Uh, I think this one probably had more drama attached to it because it's probably the shot that re- will resonate more with local college basketball fans than anyone else. I mean, sure. Chris Jenkins was on a roll, but no one saw that one coming, especially after they had lost uh, an eight-point lead to Carolina. Yeah. I, if this thing goes overtime, uh, I'm not, I'm not thinking we're. Uh, In total celebration mode, but uh, Jenkins made a great shot off a great pass from Ryan Arch, and uh, it was special for Philadelphia.
2: So I know this, obviously, this most recent Final Four stands out. It's on another level. Uh, But thinking of the the previous 44 that you had been really I
6: really like Villanova's win in 85 over Georgetown because it was the perfect game. They shot 90% in the second half. They shot 76 for the game. They were double-digit underdogs and found a way to win. It was Philadelphia's first championship since LaSalle and Tom Golan in 54. And when, that, when something like that happens, you never think you're actually going to cover a team that wins it. But I was at Daily News at the time. And I was still pinching myself uh, three months later in the Rose Garden when they uh, met with the president. Uh, Rolling Massamino probably coached six perfect games, and he had the plus of not having a shot clock or a three-point goal. Sure. If, the game was, if, if they had the lead with four minutes to play, the game was over because they never missed a critical three-throw during that entire period of time. They beat some really good teams, too. I mean, they beat Maryland, they beat Carolina, they beat Memphis, yep. they beat Georgetown. It's pretty impressive.
0: It was a great run. We're talking to Dick Hoops Weiss here on Vuvu Radio, and it streams live on Bob Long Sports, live from the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And we have one of the inductees with us right here, Dick Hoops Weiss. What does that mean for you? Everything you've been able to do. Yeah, you know, I grew career? up in
6: Philadelphia. Anytime you get an award in Philadelphia, it's special. Uh, even when I went to New York, we never moved. Uh, you know, once a Philadelphian, always a Philadelphian, and given the fact that there have been so many distinguished sports writers in the city, I feel I'm in pretty good company.
0: That's fantastic. And let's move a little bit, uh, I guess, upwards in the ranks of basketball. Talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. You came over to our table talking about Simmons and hoping that he can get healthy. We've seen the process self-dubbed. Joel M.D., <laughs> he's been unbelievable so far, obviously on a minutes and a games limit yeah. at this point. But what do you believe is the ceiling and when, how many flights does it take l- to get there? I'd like to see them get a point guard that I
6: could depend on, uh, and I'd like to see them get another shooter. I think that they've got bigs. Unfortunately, I think they're probably going to have to trade one of them, either Noel or Okafor, to get what they wanted. They try to arrange a deal last year right before the draft with the Celtics get yep. the three pick and I think they would have taken the kid Curry from Providence who runs the pick and roll very effectively and would have fit right in. Now they are still searching for that missing piece. They have frontline players. I think they felt that Ben Simmons could step in and be a point forward and really he's an excellent passer. He gets to the rim really well. He gets to the line very effectively. He's not a great shooter yet, but I think he has the potential to be a great player if he's healthy. But this team, it's almost like this team is cursed. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Embiid comes, doesn't play for two years. I mean, Noel sits a year. I mean, now Simmons is out for at least three months, and I'm right. hoping that his agent doesn't decide that he wants to hold him out an entire year, sure. because I'd like to see what happens when all the pieces... Are healthy, I think it would be a f- fun i 'm not expecting them to win thirty games this year, but I am expecting them to become much more competitive and be in a situation where the they have a future in front of them. Teams now are trying to win i i didn 't like the idea of tanking i didn't, they can call it what they want, but when you put a limited team on the floor with Limited chances to win; it really does affect your fan base. I mean, the fans are ready to win now, and and and, and they've and they've been more than patient with this team. Uh, but I think that uh, Brian Colangelo now realizes how important it is for uh, this group to take a step
2: forward. Dick, you mentioned all those bigs that the Sixers are holding on to. Brian Colangelo calls you up. Says it's up to you. Which one are you willing to ship out? You look at all of them. I mean, if if you had the call, what's the big that you would oh, it's be? It's hard most, most because to I because I
6: really believe that Embiid and Okafer are duplicate players. I mean, and I worry about Jaleel's ability to run the floor consistently in an up-tempo game. I think offensively, if he gets the ball in the box, it's a lock. He's a lockdown scorer. And so you have to make that decision. Uh, you know, if they, I don't know that they can play Twin Towers the way they did when Caldwell and Darrell were here back in the late 70s, early, mm-hmm. early 80s, because these kids are both wide bodies. I, you know, Daryl was a big kid but he was a freak athlete and Caldwell was thin enough to play the power forward spot if you needed him in that position. These kids are both traditional centers and in a way it's good because if you take a look at 30 teams there probably aren't 30 centers of quality
0: playing in the league right now and they have two of them. Well you mentioned skinnier guys that have played in the lane, you mentioned Quality centers, you're being honored with a certain team led by uh, a man named Will Chamberlain, in 1966-67-76. The greatest,
6: the greatest stat, statistical in the, uh, phenomenon in the history of the league. I mean, I'm sure there are probably 60,000 people who will tell you they were in Hershey the night, yeah. he, <laughs> the night he got 100 against the Knicks. That's right. The amazing part of that story was after the game, Will lived in New York. And he hits the ride home from Hershey with all the Knicks. It wow. was crazy. How'd
0: you like to be in that car? I mean, I just I just dropped a 100 on you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So this team, the 1966-67-76ers. By the way, that's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> but what was it about that team? They held the record until the Bulls came in and won 70. Seventy two games. Sixty eight wins at that, that was, time. You know, and,
6: and, and at that time playing in a league that didn't have thirty teams and where everybody had a center. That's right. I mean it was hard. I mean right. you, yes. you I mean to win that championship you gotta go through Bill Russell and then through the Lakers. I mean it was, was it hard. was pretty impressive. I think it was hard even though there were less teams, I think it was harder because I think there were more good players on each team when the Sixers won you probably needed four and a half good players when they won in 83 they had four and a half good players now I think you can win it with three players I mean you might even be able to win it with two mm-hmm. I mean probably three but you know that team if you have willed it's like having sure. three players I mean, because
0: you get to that too you look at Kyrie and, and LeBron, right? Last year, exactly. and there were other pieces there, absolutely, but complementary, right?
6: Role players. I mean, I mean, there are some people that would tell you Kyrie could have very easily been the MVP of that series, I agree with given you. the last two games that he played when he got forties. Mm-hmm. I mean, but in the
0: fourth quarter of that last. game. Yeah,
6: but I mean, I, it's it's funny when I was in Rio, I saw the one thing that Kyrie Irving couldn't do. He's not a very good defensive player at the perimeter. And when they played some of the pool round games against France and Serbia, teams would specifically attack his position. And they ended up having to use Kyle Lowry for extended minutes. And he did a terrific job. And he's a local
0: kid, too. He is. Yes, sir. The Broad Street Bulldog, Kyle Lowry. You're right. (laughs) He's the the second
6: generation of the Broad Street Bullies. He's he's just a tough pit bull of a kid who who really knows how to defend at the perimeter and was a really yeah. good teammate on that team.
1: Uh, Dick, when you look at uh, Joel Embiid, I said his name right. Now, you know, I'm looking at the type of injury and listening to the type of injury that he had. And this is the kind of thing that basically sidelined Bill Walton. Right. Which is one, I worry one about the, that. Right. was one of the best players ever. Uh, Yao Ming. I mean, it's seriously, this is a serious injury. And uh, You know, you're, like, like Bob said earlier when he asked you the question, that, yeah, he's starting out, like, wonderfully. Well, he's played four games. Maybe three, four games. I mean, until I see his ourselves?
6: longevity, I'm not ready to make a final uh, evaluation of him. He does have he does have skill level. He can shoot it. He's big. He's physical. But we're talking about a kid who missed half of his of his freshman year and only been in the country. One season before he went right. to Kansas, right. then he comes to the Sixers, and it's been talk about a process. I mean, it's been, I mean, I'm sure every year must seem like seem like an eternity to him. And even now, they can't play him yeah. back to backs. Well,
0: and and Dick, I'll say this, and then again, <coughs> we're talking to Dick Hoops, Wise, an inductee tonight into the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. Joel Embiid, the fact that he has played so few games, right. in the limited action we've seen him, 17, 18 games at Kansas, a season or two in high school, now here, he has a sense for the game, it appears, that is unbelievably surprising. You can watch as much tape as you want. To be able to get up to game action, game speed, and I think have that nose for well, the ball. What amazed
6: me is he, he's originally from Africa, and he, he uh, yep. was a... Uh, uh, a student transfer. I uh, played for Montverde his senior year. When he played in high school, he was not the primary option. And Kansas, when he went there, he wasn't the primary option. Wiggins. Right. I mean, they, but he does have that physical uh, strength. I think the next great manufacturer of, 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 elite players in the NBA is going to be the the continent of Africa. I think we are seeing an awful lot of bigs who just don't know how to play. But, uh, But if they can get skilled and they can get coached, who knows? I mean, look at Elijah one. He was a yeah. soccer player before he came over here. Unbelievable. Was You're lucky. exactly right.
1: I was lucky enough to meet him. Uh, he, well, I guess it was at a Philadelphia Union game, and I think he wanted to meet Didier Drogba, who was that there. Does, you know, and, it, right. it should not surprise you. No, no. So he wanted to meet him. So I, and all I could tell you is he is a huge. Huge, yeah, yeah huge is a good and word. And he seems to, keeps getting, I mean, he's. I, I could. I never saw anybody. I never saw <laughs> much of I never saw anybody that big. I mean, he really is a huge, huger than normal. I've seen enough basketball. Oh, I he's totally agree. No, listen, yeah.
6: I mean, they're obviously betting the house that he is going to be the cent, cent, the center point of this franchise for the in the next couple years.
0: Yeah, I think so. And there's a bright, bright future. I hope ahead. so. Just, uh, but I think you
6: made. I think you made a great point when you said, "Will really? he be healthy?" <laughs> <Thanks>. Yes. <laughs> no. Will he be? Is it? Will he be healthy enough to be the guy he can be? And that's not something that's really completely in his control.
1: I just I see the same thing with the Philadelphia fans on the talks uh, radio with uh, with Wentz on the Eagles. I mean, you know, they they kind of put everything in that one apple yes, cart, and you know. They're young, young players, and let's face it, Weds' his career could be ruined with one hit, and this guy's playing with debutante ankles. You know, it's a little scary <laughs> to me. Anyway,
6: I think it's a little scary That's to break the house yeah. you know, on that. I, I totally. Well, I you know, all we can do is hope for the best. Listen, it, long suffering is probably the best description for the fan base here. They, I mean, ever since they traded uh, Malone and Dowdy back in '86. Mm-hmm. It's like things have never been the same. I think that they may, have, if they've kept those two instead of taking Henson and 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 uh, and Jeff Rowland and you know, I think they might have been in a position to keep it going for the next five, ten years, and then who knows what happens? It's almost like the Celtics when they didn't win bias past. I mean, you know, you're, you're waiting for the – you want to keep the – if you know a player is a franchise player, you got to keep them.
1: How could you be more of a franchise player than Moses Malone? I mean, when yeah, you think about – but, I mean, you know, I understand it. There were some ownership
6: uh, issues there. Yes, there were.
1: Yeah, but what, how did you feel as a sports writer at that time? What was your opinion initially I felt when felt they threw, threw away. Move?
6: I felt they threw away a, a championship contender. I felt they threw away a team that had the ability – to match up with the Celtics, Dougherty and, um, if, if Dougherty and Malone you know, had stayed on the floor. Because Barkley was there, too, you know.
1: Well, Dougherty had never... He was he was a rookie. They traded away before they got him, Right, it, but, correct? I mean, he had a pretty good right. career with Cleveland. Yeah, he did. He sure did. But at that point, he was just... He was an untested rookie. No. Like I like mean, the guys I mean,
6: we're talking about now. The other, you know, yeah. the other Philly guys. But, well, the but thing you is, know, right was, now, I mean, look, he at least he had four years of college. Right, I mean, you're in a situation now where everybody is coming out as a one-and-done, and you basically are betting on potential as opposed to betting on things that you've actually seen on the board. I think he could have he helped him. I, I think sometimes we get lulled into a false sense of security when we take players who are stars on bad teams. I think we saw that. You look at Henson, he averaged 20 in Cleveland, but he was never going to win playoff games for you. Right, I mean, we, we we fell
1: into that. Right, yeah, you're like a false sense of security. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it, but it looks like the, you know the organization. You know, say what you want about the Sixers organization now, you know that they're, they're going for it. I mean, the guys that they took, you know, Embiid was going to be a first round pick if he didn't get injured. I believe he was like, well, he was going he was a to third first yeah, guy. third overall. He, third he would have been then. the first overall. Third, yeah, right. third pick. So yeah. Maybe they got a steal. Yeah. You know, maybe they got a. You know, but that's but to a say cross your fingers. Theory, you know, what's right, the, guys, you know, to, s- hoops to say he's a star now. It's a little yeah. ridiculous, in my, my
0: opinion, anyway,
1: because he's not even played 15 minutes a game yet. He's Dick, a star. Dick,
0: I, I got one more question for sure. you before we let you go. We don't want to monopolize your time, no, but appreciate little, you being so generous with not us here. Not yeah. a problem at all. Dick Hoopsweiss, one of the best nicknames out there. I know a little bit of the backdrop, but I want to hear you say, well, you know, how I, did you? I
6: got it. I was given to me by a columnist uh, at uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Sandy, Padway who went went on to be a a professor at Columbia and uh, he just did it because when I was in college I was literally at a high school or college game every day for the three years I I did take off one one or two falls to play soccer for Temple Uh, but uh, other than that once the basketball season started I mean, it gets in your blood, and it gets in your blood in Philadelphia, particularly. Philadelphia's a, a basketball city, and back then, the production in the grassroots and colleges and pro teams were pretty good. Now, when I went to school was just about the time the Sixers were making a run with Wilt, so I'm, I was out of school when they were 1973. I, I won't take any credit for that, guys.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you said that Philadelphia yeah. is a basketball city, and you're right, but in large part it's because of people like yourself. So That's very sweet of you guys to say. Can Thank I, yeah, you. Can
1: I give him one more? I know I'm not trying to jump in, but you know, we have someone that we've so rarely do we have a chance to ask someone with the wealth of knowledge, five decades or so, doing this. Give me your all-time starting college Attaboy. basketball Love team. It. Love it, you know, for your forty-five years or so. Uh, you, can, you
6: know, I, mean,
1: I don't put I never pop, saw. Yeah. See, it's
6: so it's so hard because I never I never saw Gola goal of play in college, so that that's hard for me. I think you know, it's funny. I think the greatest players are the players that transcend time. Like I never, but I'll say this: it wouldn't include Jordan because the great line about the only person that was capable of hiring, holding Michael under twenty was Dean Smith. <laughs> well, you know that was probably the case because he never averaged twenty at Carolina, and then he just had a total blow up but as far as the great great players, I love calvin murphy i i lo- I, I, I i loved I loved kareem I loved Walton I thought they were the two best centers of my era. I loved um uh, I never saw West. I never saw Robertson, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of guys that really... Magic and Bird, I think Magic probably would fall into that category, and I did it in in his second year, Mm -hmm. but he did it, and he was special. LeBron never played in college, so we'll never know how good he might have been if he went to Ohio State. Kobe never played in college, so we'll never know how good he might have been if he went to Duke or Carolina. Sure. Or LaSalle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're <LaSalle. Why> not? <laughs> Why not? That's right so well, you, but, uh, you know I mean it, It's there, there have been a lot of great College players Patrick Ewing was a great college Player I mean uh, uh, Christian Leitner Would have been probably on my list Because he made more big shots In March than anybody that I can remember And the best player I ever saw On the plester was probably Bill Bradley From Princeton back in 65 well, That's a great name there, Bill
1: wow. Bradley. That's it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, because really, who has that's a, that's a great wealth of knowledge. He admits that he didn't see gold and, and people of that ilk. <laughs> but the point is, where would Wilt fit in there? Does do you, do you feel like where Let's, would Wilt fit in
6: there? Oh, uh, Wilt. Well, I mean, well, just as
1: a player, I guess as a college. You know player, what? You I, I, I,
6: as a college player, he had, you know he had one year where they lost the championship. And triple overtime to Carolina. Another year where he didn't even win the Big Eight. They lost to K State. Then he went to the, the Trotters. Sorry, then, then he went to the Trotters. Played there a year and then got into the league. So we never really we knew Wilt was unstoppable at Overbrook, mm-hmm. and he was. And they and they changed the rules for him after high school because he used to bend over the foul line to make it easier for him to make three throws and with that reach (laughs) it's pretty amazing he was a freak athlete he and russell certainly would have fallen into any categories if you're talking about greatest players of all time
1: my mother went to school with him at Overbrook high school yeah i mean that's 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 great so you would fall on the uh, chamberlain over uh
6: who, who are we talk about? The, cha- the, the, the Chamberlain as the, as the greatest player over Jordan. He was the greatest stat. He, he, he was the great. He was the greatest stat maker of all time. I'll say that. I mean, Russell won eleven championships. It's hard to hard, hard to say he had, but he had a much better supporting cast. Yeah, right. Will I loved right. Wilt's teams when he played in Philly because there was such a local flavor. When he first got here, he played with arizona and he played with Golan, and he played with Rogers. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, right. given, the, given the fact that all four of them are in the Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's good. Well, thank you. That, that was, like, probably the best analysis we've
1: ever had of this ageless question <laughs> that we have. So thank well, you for that. Thank you again, yeah. Dick. Oh, it was my pleasure, guys.
6: Listen, I hope you have a great night, and I hope you enjoy this. Enjoy your induction. That's terrific. Thank you so much, Perfect, guys. Yeah. It's nice talking to all of you. Thank you.
2: And that was Dick Weiss here from the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame induction on Voo Radio with Bob Long, Rob Stott, and Eric Nash here. It's an awesome interview to, to be able to talk to to Dick and just get his knowledge on all things basketball, all things Sixers and college hoops and everything that's going on. So just an all-around great guy. Yeah, he, he's fantastic. He's the most knowledgeable, really, one, if not the most knowledgeable,
0: one of the most knowledgeable basketball guys that are out there, period, that have been doing this for 40 years and not only can he break down the X's and O's for you, he can draw it all the way back to the 1970s and bring that into his experience and bring that into what he breaks down on a day-to-day basis. And so that allows for the rare opportunity to compare generations, something that's so, so difficult. But he does it with grace. And I don't think he's saying someone better than the other. He just talks about how they dominated their time period and how they changed the game of basketball. I think that's a really special gift.
2: Yeah, and just hearing him talk about just all, like you said, all the different generations. I mean, this is a guy that was here during uh, what what most would probably consider the heyday for the Sixers, you know, the golden era, um, if they ever come back around to it. But, you know, uh, just awesome to see and and really cool opportunity for us.
0: Yes, this is VUVU Radio, and it's live on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, Eric Nash, Rob Stott. And uh, we, we mentioned before our favorite moments, favorite players, favorite teams In Philadelphia, we talked about Eric Nash. We talked about Chuck's mind. The best moment, Villanova basketball, winning the national championship last year at the buzzer. Chris Jenkins, hitting the three. And favorite player, Brian Dawkins. He's right there. I mean, Brian Dawkins. (laughs) Just uh, walking into the building. Walking into the building. It's funny. That wasn't... Wasn't initially going to be uh, the one I su- selected, of course, but it's just, oh, my gosh, there he is. Uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, but Brian Westbrook as well, his teammate, guy that went to Villanova and did so many good things. Uh, you know, I would say that he is the guy that represents what the Eagles are all about, what Villanova is all about, and he just did a wonderful, wonderful job at every step of the way. And that Villanova connection, Eric, with Brian Westbrook, you know that doesn't hurt with me. <laughs> Not at all. So we're here live at the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. Eric, I see you're looking onward.
1: I wanted to ask you a question, actually.
0: Uh, You talked about your biggest moment, so I'm assuming your biggest
1: moment was Villanova winning last year. Exactly, as I mentioned. Uh, How do you think that compares? I mean, I know it's a hard question for you because I don't know if you you were alive during the time,
0: but when they won in 85. Sure, and I wasn't alive during that time. It was completely different, right? This is a Villanova Mm -hmm. team that was up near the top the entire year, but was still a little bit of an underdog here in 2016 in the way that they weren't expected to go through Kansas, the number one overall seed. North Carolina, the number two overall seed. They were shipped out of the Philadelphia region because they wanted, this they being the committee, to protect North Carolina in that region. But they came through, they played the toughest schedule, I would say, that any team has ever had to do. I mean, you go through Iowa was a top ten team in early February, right? On to the next game, Miami was a top-ten team at the end of the year. You move on to Kansas, they were a number-one overall seed. Oklahoma was a team that probably should have been a number-one seed, and they beat Villanova by 20-some points earlier in the year. Then they have to play North Carolina, who came out and played a really, really good basketball game and the number-two overall seed. They went and beat all those teams on the way to the title. It's the toughest road that any team has ever faced. On the flip side... Definitely the props.
1: Eight, I mean, that's true. That That's a very good point.
0: On the flip the argument, side, yeah. the 1985 Villanova National Championship team, an eight seed, and they played Georgetown, the consensus number one team in the country, Patrick Ewing. Georgetown was the evil empire. That's <laughs> where... I don't know if you had that, like,
1: this year. Am I wrong? This past Not league. quite. No, I they don't think like so. The evil, they were the evil empire. John now, remember. Tomlin. I was young, so maybe they seemed more evil at the time, but... Georgetown yeah.
0: was playing Villanova for the third time. Villanova had actually kept those, those two games close earlier in the year. It's just something that everybody forgets about. But they were very good. And Jim Beheim, the only coach before the national championship game in 1985, that gave Villanova a chance in Still that game. Still coaching, by the way. Still coaching. <laughs> My Syracuse alumni. Unbelievable! Wonderful. So, Robbie took yeah. a, a jaunt over that way to see Brian Dawkins.
2: I did, and they're telling me he's just—he's uh, late, as we know. So, not nothing. You're not, you're not going to sma- slight the guy for being late. But, you know, traffic in Philadelphia, SEPTA down yep. and all that fun stuff. Brian's so not taking SEPTA. He's no, he's not taking SEPTA. Yeah, I but you know, he's causing, the, causing the, some the, traffic The did show up. I can just see. <laughs> yeah. The cat Imagine ate my homework. I don't think so. Oh, no. Yeah. But they're, they're okay. going to see what they can do uh, to get them over because the, the ceremonies are a little behind. But oh, maybe we'll uh, get a, get a nothing's little. guaranteed. But it is possible that Mr. B-Daw could be making his way over here at some point. They didn't okay. want to make any promises, but... Very good. It might happen. Well, so I,
0: I gave my moment and team, Villanova basketball winning the national championship player, Brian Westbrook not
2: surprised but I wasn't at the table but I could have told you that one yes so, so uh, with that said
0: <laughs> Rob I'm going to let you talk about yours I'm going to go over and, and see if we can uh, make a presence over there with Brian and see if we can bring him
2: over All right, so better luck than me so. I
0: think you guys have matching jackets so I think there's a
1: chance <laughs> I think we got a chance you have a good fashion sense you might like that
2: that's great well, yeah. well Bob, Bob's away I guess he's <laughs> turning the floor over to me to talk just about. let
1: Jay Wright come by she or, was, or I'll I'll come back hope. with Mike Misinelli again
2: <laughs> 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 oh we love Bob
1: but oh, Bob's the best. So I guess, Wait, let's watch. I think we should some do. Play, I want some to hear play your play-by-play play? Play stuff. Yeah. Okay. Here's right, well, Bob. Bob leaning. Okay, he, he's leaning against takes the wall. He has his left
2: shoulder up against the the uh, the, right. the oh, so wall. But, over but, here. but notice how the Just leg, little.
1: how he's poised in his yeah, lean.
2: It's it's like a relaxed kind of comfortable right. lean. Like you know, I'm yeah. I'm supposed to be here. Kind of thing I'm, is what's going on. I'm not. I'm not seeing a drunk like leaning on the wall to keep up. you know, This is a calm, cool, collected guy who's looking. He's Brian's to his right. At a table, sort of yeah. taking pictures, signing autographs. Bob is, he's is working not, Ruth. He's working Ruth. Yeah, I can see. Working okay, the room, he's working the room. Working the room. He's trying Ru- to, you know, Ruth's our
1: girl on the inside. He's kind of working it, Okay, got it. He's got. And uh, yeah, but I don't know, man. We've gone to the well pretty often <laughs> with her. I don't know. She might. Know she know she how might how not more trips only pick up out at. of this <laughs> out of this gig, but she might put me out of the Lincoln alumni too after Bob gets through with her. <laughs>
2: <sighs> oh, but he's you know he's he's doing his thing, trying not to. You know, work the inside connections but also not make eye contact to the he's right. He's like a with big
1: Bob, baby with Brian. You know, he's like lovable in a big my wife said to him, How come before Bob got married, he didn't really get married, we called him he got married now. But before he got married, we were like my wife's like, he's such a wonderful guy. Why don't the girls see his potential? I mean my you know, they they love him, and you know? let him work out, he's got that like tall silent thing going on
2: well he, you he, know? he he's a lucky man now with mara so just a yeah okay yeah that's good, good. he deserves so absolutely i'm glad,
1: very glad to hear that because he's a good you know he's you know he. but you know what he's not a player it's good that he met a decent girl Oh, yeah. You know, he's a, but then again, he wouldn't, wouldn't really be played either because he never really cared that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he wouldn't be played because I don't, you know. <laughs> now, no, no, Brian Dawkins might be able to play him right now. Okay oh, heck For, yeah. for he, anything. He might you know? be getting played right now uh, by Brian Dawkins. If, though, if I was Bob know. Long, I wouldn't get into a game of five of three-card money with Brian Dawkins no, right no, now. No. He'll no. take him for all his money. <laughs> Bob would be like starstruck. <laughs> Especially if the Jay Wright was standing to his left. Oh, no. <laughs> He'll pick the card wrong every time on purpose. Oh. oh yeah, look, look, he's working. So, Bob's good. He's not leaning anywhere. That's good. sign of strength. Now, good. Now it's, he's, on now his own he's in feet. the conversation. He can yeah. stand on his own
2: is what yeah, he's that's showing. Yeah, showing strength. Yeah,
1: yeah. We've we still got kind of that interesting gate going on here. Yeah.
2: okay he, He's got the whole, you know, the shifting weight. You can't. You can't lean too much on one leg because it falls asleep, and then that, that really would throw your game off.
1: Yeah, and you know what's so also it. throwing them is a bunch of these big dudes are kind of – I think they're security
2: guys, but they look like they're ready to strike. They do. They Brian, do. So, so they're I ready, they're ready like to like shuffle. It's so creating the interference. Oh, here here's the move. Let's there see what happens. So Dawkins, Dawkins yeah. is now getting ready to either exit the room or come with Bob over to the table. So we'll, we'll see how this that's one plays big. out. That's so that's
1: now cool. it, this looks like it maybe you're going to be drawing in a second at, fifth, at 10
2: paces. So look Brian, at Brian's got okay. he's stopping for pictures. Okay, good. Right, well, no, wow. Many yeah. pictures. Now we got the professional camera out. So this is—it's it's a delay. A delay of game. Yeah, in, like in some higher. sorts. But yeah, looking, Bob is, he, he is looks doing like he's his quake. thing. Dude, he looks he like He's weakening.
3: He looks like he he's,
2: he's, he's sort be of, sort of like—he's sort of like a you know out Talk in the Serengeti, Bob. circling his prey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <kind> of <laughs> yeah, he looks like we can't—he can't lean. Oh, uh he's coming back this way. Oh, oh no, wait—he's this isn't what we want. Oh, he's. <laughs> <mucking>. Oh, <laughs> dude. It's a complete we, we, and I no, we were doing some play by play. We were doing th- We were play-by-play. play by play on you hear were doing a play by play of you? Attempt to get Brian over to the table. I didn't even get a chance to talk it, about my favorite is athlete. This, is
0: this good radio?
7: Is it's, this really? good? We, th- really we thought good. it was pretty What'd good. What did you say? It was, you say? It was like going to his prey. He was like a like Getty? In a serenade going
2: around and circling his prey, trying to That was a metaphor of the chivalry or something. It was beautiful. Very funny. Very nice. Now, because
0: he was a little late, unfortunately, we were unable to get
2: Brian Dawkins. But. We're here, and he's here, and we who knows? Told
1: them that we were the greeting committee, and they have to come here. That's and wait. true. Good point. Yeah, we didn't so, work that right.
2: But I all think. that aside, I so I guess back to actual Philly sports. Um, my uh, my question that you're posing to me that mm-hmm. you answered while I was attempting to to do the deed uh, was favorite athlete and, and favorite moher. moment. So they're related. And I, I think it's going to be a, provide us a nice segue uh, into what will be our next interview. Uh, and, and that's, of course, Charlie, the, the skipper, Charlie Manuel. Um, you know, not obviously my favorite athlete, but did play a, an enormous hand uh, in, in presenting what would be my favorite moment. And that has to be for, um, you know, the 2008 World Series. Uh, one that I'm sure stands out in a lot of people's minds, especially around our age, Bob, that, um, you know, this is the only championship that we know. Um, so it was we were born into the drought (laughs) we saw a lot of uh, great teams come and go Um, a lot of opportunities slip through through you know teams fingers uh, whether it was the the years of the Eagles getting to the NFC championship game and then a Super Bowl but coming up short we had the 0-1 Sixers that made it to the finals but ultimately fell you know gave provided a lot of hope you know game one coming out. Um, taking on a rested Lakers team did and then just getting trampled. Were, did you ever think no. they were gonna that no, going to win this series? No, I didn't. Mean, you, you had knew hope that with they AI. were
1: riding a good wave, but
2: you had hope with AI and that the rust would be there for the Lakers. Yeah. But I, you know, once you once you lose that first game, you know, out in LA. Um, and, them, well, no, they won, they the, first won the first game, first game once they once yeah. they let the Lakers win a game and even up the series. Right, but that, uh, you yeah, know, I guess when they at won that point, first you kind of knew you had a chance. You thought you had a chance, but. And and then, and a, right, and then you right. think of the Flyers have always been a team that let us down, getting to the Stanley Cup, uh, they really 97, did. 98, yeah. swept. They and were not let us
1: down, though. They lost the better teams, in my opinion. They did. Had they been did. The Oilers Dynasty twice, Detroit Red Wings uh, in, in, in what year was that? Sorry. 97 98 97. yep detroit was back to back stanley cups you know what though? i think i think if you look at the odds of that series i think the Flyers were a slight favorites they should have the legion it, of doom yeah. had them playing yeah, yeah, uh, so maybe a, that wasn't those, such a, those, those great
2: know. lines and teams but it was the phillies the 2008 phillies that you know really got things rolling and presented a uh, provided us with what I, is easily my favorite sports memory i remember Jumping up and down, I've never been more thrilled to be a sports fan of the city of Philadelphia. Just all that Fantastic. weight, you know, being born—like I said, being born into the drought—but um, it, it felt like, I, you know, we weren't around the entire length of the drought. But it was like a weight lifted off of our shoulders. Um, well,
0: let's go to the guy now who helped to lift that weight off the shoulders of Philadelphia fans everywhere. That's the skipper Charlie Manuel, the man who brought the championship back to Philadelphia, and a guy who just is the soul of the earth, a oh, guy
2: that... Just an all-around great guy. And you'll just,
0: see it in this long interview that we had. He sat down. He could have had gone other places you, to go. You, he you did have, have other places to go, but you, he was you very would have thought we were
2: like old friends that hadn't been you know, in touch in a while, and we, we were just sitting, talking, having a good chat uh, mm-hmm. about Philly's baseball, about everything that he's done for this city and what the city means to him. and. So and,
1: to, and he listened to what we said, too. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Like, like we mattered. Eric, I like that point. You know, it was like, like we mattered. Really, right. No, no. <laughs> but the point is, you don't expect that. No. He wasn't just giving us, like, the, you know, the whatever, like, obligatory uh, interview. I thought he was really cool.
0: And here is that interview with the skipper, Charlie Manuel of the Philadelphia Phillies.
2: Right now joining us, we have Charlie Manuel, uh, obviously manager of the Philadelphia Phillies during their their heyday the the 2008 world series champions uh charlie thank you for joining us yeah thank you guys for having me <laughs> so i guess start off charlie so you're back obviously with the club now tell us a little bit about you know just what your your time in philly has, has meant and, and you know now capped off with this this honor of being inducted into the the philly sports hall of fame
7: yeah
8: first of all i, I want to say this is quite an honor and i'm uh i'm overwhelmed with it i think it's outstanding and uh you know like and i'll definitely uh I'll represent the Hall of Fame with everything I got because I love Philadelphia. You know, like in, I was here for nine years as a manager, and uh, my wife and I, we got to uh, really uh, love the city, but not only that, we, we loved going to Citizens Bank Park. We loved everything about it, and uh, it, it'll always be part of me. I love coming up here. I still work for the Phillies, of course, and I like a I like time when we can come up here and spend some time. And uh, if, you want, if I wanted to get treated real great, and uh, don't even know how to act. Sometimes I come to Philadelphia.
1: <laughs> there it is, Charlie. I'm thinking back to the 2008 series. Now I was lucky enough to be. I'm going to say both halves of that game. One of the strangest scenarios <laughs> in the history of sports. The long. I mean, what was it like as the manager of the team in that interim? That what was it? Two days in between the games? Was, is that what it was? It was two days in between. Right.
8: I really got upset. Uh, I got upset when we didn't get the hit in the bottom. You know, in the bottom bottom half of our inning and uh that really upset me but then you know when we we go two days we have a layoff I was concerned about that and I was concerned about how we were going to come out and react and also you know like and pick up uh and and uh like pick up at that spot in the game and I knew it was going to be a short game and uh you know like uh, yeah I was I was I was definitely for two days there you know (laughs) I, I don't think I was panicking but I definitely was was thinking about it the whole time it's what's, like go
1: home and come back yeah. i mean it was oh, the exactly. weirdest thing ever what's, what's i the, was horse. <laughs> go home
2: what's the preparation okay. like going into a, a two and a half inning stretch i mean how obviously it's got to be different than going into a normal game so what what sort of what, i mean how did you go handle going into that kind of a situation well basically you know like we
8: wanted we wanted to make sure that we uh uh we wanted to keep because we were behind in the game we of course you know, like we wanted to I, I really wanted to key in on getting, uh, getting getting an offense started quick, and that's why I that's why I hit Jeff Jenkins leading off the inning, and I think yep. people sometimes they uh, I guarantee you that most of them didn't figure Jeff Jenkins would leading, <laughs> leading off the <laughs> inning, and uh, you know uh, so it, it worked for us, but, but we were looking for some runs, and then once we uh, once we got some runs, I knew I was going to defense in the left field with Pat. And uh, hopefully, you know, like uh, we were going to have our, uh, our strongest pitchers on, on, the, on the hill, you know, like, and uh, I think our bullpen was definitely well rested and lined up. So we were ready and we prepared. with just uh, the biggest thing about the preparation part. You never know how it, that your players are going to react. You know when they first come out and you know they like can get going. Sometimes in the games you see the first few innings are kind of slow, and uh, you do uh, But we came right out. And Je- Jenkins, first of all, Jenkins is doubled. Is what really united us. If you stop and think about it, I mean that really got oh. got the blood flowing and got everything going for us. So Crowd huge. too. Yeah. So any huge.
2: any concern? I. Thinking now to to the World Series game last night, you saw the the rain delay. Any uh, flashbacks there, you know, seeing the tarp come on late in the game, seeing Uh, the the chances of uh, Game 7 getting split in two?
8: Yeah, well, you know, like I was thinking at at the time, I I thought maybe, well, I I felt like the rain delay was, uh, you know, like I felt like the rain delay actually was might have been in uh, Cleveland's favor. But then again, you know, like it was just how the – you never know. How the game is going to go, and that's why you play the game. That's what—that's why it's a human nature game, a human element, human nature play, and everything about it. And uh, you know, like you don't know—you don't never know who's going to win when the game when the game starts. And uh, but uh, last night, you know, the Cubs—actually, the Cubs. Every time, every in the series, every time Cleveland made a run, kind of got a little ahead of them. All of a sudden, you're know, like they—they they stopped it right there and, and, and regained the momentum.
0: We're talking to the skipper here, Charlie Manuel, Philadelphia Phillies manager and soon to be, in just a couple hours, inductee into the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. Congratulations on that, for one. And I want to bring in a little bit of our uh, discussion with the audience. So coming into this show, we said, what were your favorite Philadelphia sports moments? And so we had a lot, ranging from Eagles, Flyers, Sixers, and you guessed it, Charlie, a whole lot of Phillies. So two in particular. You mentioned the Jeff Jenkins double off Grant Balfour, the restart of Game 5. Mike Cassie, one of our listeners, said that was his favorite Philadelphia Phillies moment, yeah. and that that wow. was the point where he realized there was a shot that they could do it. The next one came from one of our listeners, Travis Tregu, who's actually in the Navy down in Norfolk. He said the Joe Blanton home run in Game 4 of the World Series. If yeah. you could reflect on those two moments for our listeners. <laughs> right.
8: Yeah, well, you know, basically Joe Joe Blanton's home run, it's unreal because I used to watch him in batting practice. He had trouble hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and he took a hard swing and you like you'd open up, and bail out on the ball and stuff like that. And but the home run he hit, if you go back and look at it, boy, he had showed a quick bat, good balance at the plate, and he, and he hit right straight through the ball, hit it a long ways too. It wasn't you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a cheap home run.
0: No, it was not. And another favorite. From a personality perspective, Chase Utley, everything he did on the field—the grit, the guy that didn't make the headlines in the media but made the headlines on the field—specifically throwing Jason Bartlett out at home actually, in the World Series.
8: Actually, uh, real, it goes to show you uh, how some how some guys are heads up in the game and they and they thinking ahead. The and uh, actually, the throw to the plate the feels a little wet. And that ball could have bounced and gone either to the left or to the right. Mm-hmm. He, he hit. He, he when it bounced, it came straight to the catcher. And everything happened so quick. And Utley, Utley responded well to it. Utley looked for. The, uh, he made sure the, the play was going to be tough at first. He recognized that, yep. and then he also recognized I better be heads up because a guy might be trying to score on a play. And it, yep. a tremendous play. Give Utley credit. That, that's his instincts. Uh, that's good, great instincts. And that's how he played the game. That's one of the things. That's one of the things that made him a great player.
0: That was uh, Nate Cranach, one of our listeners, that said that was his favorite. And finally, Tyler Freeman says, just in general, the Philadelphia Phillies winning in 2008 was the greatest moment in Philadelphia sports history. When you see people under the age of 30 that have that opinion, that is the thing that they grasp hold of, how does that resound with you as the manager?
8: Let me tell you something. I I think my best answer to that would be, uh, I come up when I come up here in the summer and I also I go to Reading, Lehigh Valley, Lakewood and and uh, when I go when I go watch ball games in the major league uh, ballpark or even in the minor leagues like Norfolk or Raleigh, North Carolina or places like that, I wish you could follow me around because sometime I don't even get to watch the game and uh, uh, Ed Wade, I think he's gonna be here tonight. He's he, Last summer, I was with him, and him and I were in the stands together. Both of us, of course, you know, we were looking at our teams and things. And uh, he'll vouch for that. I mean, I and it, it's all, it's inc- incredible how people treat me. And and, and 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 you know like, and they and they were big followers. Uh, you know, like, it's it, it's hard to, I can't believe. I can I know winning the World Series had a large effect on the, on our city, but then also it also had a large large effect in, the, in in the state of Pennsylvania. And I, a couple of years ago, I got off the plane in Las Vegas. You might not believe this. So I went to the Wien Hotel. It seemed like every bellman, everybody there knew who I was, and they don't know me if I hadn't been a Philly.
1: Yeah, I just want to. I just want to thank you because I was lucky enough to be be a very young man at the nineteen eighty World Series uh, clinching game, selling soda. Actually, at the time, at sixteen or seventeen years age, and then. I remember being there with my best friend Brian, who you know, Brian last fan, Bob. For years, we were at that game, and we have a picture—the only picture in of my office—is a picture of me and him in our Phillies jackets. Yeah. It was the greatest moment of our of our fandom life, you know. Yeah, and I want to thank you for that because think, that's something that no one can ever take away yeah, for think, any of us.
8: I think you've heard me say it, and all the years I was in baseball, you like, I, I, I've been on winning teams before. I was—I've I, been in the World Series. I've been—I've I, I, uh, been on teams that won the World Series in Japan. And I and actually uh, I've been a lot of places, but the Phillies for us winning the World Series in two hundred eight, and also our parade and everything about it, everything about it was totally real, everything. And I, and I mean and also too I meet people all the time, just like you're talking about, and it's, it's kind of like that you're that you enjoying it with somebody you're with somebody one of your friends or your wife or your kids mm-hmm. and things like that and it's a very special moment
2: for you Absolutely. and you don't
8: realize that as a as a as a player or a coach or a manager
2: until you know, like you you see it happening and you see how people treat you well i gotta tell you there's there's few moments i can think of that sports moments in philadelphia that brought me to tears one now bob and i are both you know under the, I think I could safely say under the age of 30, Bob. So there's only one championship moment that we know as, as sports fans of Philadelphia. Uh, so I think to, mm-hmm. back to all the heartbreak, I, I think of yeah. Joe Carter, I was just a young lad. Joe Carter hitting the walk-off. That was moment number one being brought to tears as a fan. Yeah. Moment, and then you think the Flyers getting swept out of the Stanley Cup final. But right. the, all, the first real joy that, that I know I had, I'm sure Bob would agree as well, uh, as a sports fan of Philadelphia, is that '08 team? I had the honor to to come back out. I was in school in Pittsburgh at the time, but to come back out to Philly uh, and see Game Three, and then I, I made three trips back and forth to Turnpike that week, Charlie. Yeah. One for Game Three, one you know Game Five, the second half being being in Philly for the win, and, and then for the parade yeah. shortly thereafter. So it's uh, some of the greatest moments that I'll remember, and you know for the rest of my life as a Philly fan, come from 08, so it, and it, it's a team right. that you manage, so like, like Eric said, thank you, and right. uh, it's just uh, awesome, awesome memories, and I know ones that we'll always have. So and also a
1: wonderful run in 2009, yeah. by yeah. the way. Yeah. It right. yeah. always seems to get swept yeah. under
2: the carpet. Yeah. They lost
1: a dream World Series against the New York Yankees. Right, Okay, right. I mean, that first, right. the first game... Please, yeah. I mean, on the, the 2010,
0: yeah. you just run into yeah, you right, know right. if Halliday isn't the West, best pitcher in baseball, Carpenter yeah. is a unbelievable game yeah. five. You know, you know one of the biggest lessons. You know, like I look at that, and we had chances.
8: You know, like we actually had chances to win two or three more World Series, and okay. that's a you. Know, when you plan on a 162 game schedule, that you, that's what you really want. That's what you ask for. A chance, you know, like to, to get into postseason, and the, a chance at the World Series. We had those chances, but and 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 how we played definitely affected that, and and what happened. But at the same time, two teams are playing, and it and it, winning is hard, and people don't, it, it it can teach you also how hard winning actually is, and to repeat and keep going. You're know, like the run that we had was. Uh, to me like is, is, is fantastic because we had we won five straight uh, divisions and things like that and, that and and that itself is is good but at the same time we' never satisfied and but you don't look ahead and I think some of the times you know that layoff you have when you're right. like like in a first round of a playoff or something and you have it you go through about four or five days in a row where you don't play i, I that's a downtime and that can be very I can hurt you because you know, like it's a lot of things still going on that's that's, that's not it's not really helping helping your team as far as you know like the the their training thought process and things like that and everything about it I'm gonna tell you something it's a grind and you got to stick with it and you got to stay focused as much as you possibly can and and good teams. Good teams have a lot of luck too. And I think I, I, no I think Cubs. Tell, I'll
1: tell you the same thing, Charlie. I guess I've got to say last night, this past series was your. I'm assuming your heart must have been with the tribe in some way yeah. there. And I was thinking about right. you, and right. well, that had to be heartbreaking because I know a lot of folks from Cleveland. Right, that had to be heartbreaking. I mean, it was such a Chicago story. Yeah, but it was Cleveland was right. a big part of that story. You know, you know,
8: I think I, when I think back, I think our in uh, like 1994, the year of the strike. Uh, but the last month of the season before we went on strike, we were going we were going to win our division from the White Sox yep. too, and we were coming and we were right. and we were and we were blossoming and we were get, we were definitely improving every day and we had some big time baseball in Cleveland and I I've always thought that you know we definitely should have win a, won a a World Series or two and you know like and it's too bad because we we had a big time team
0: unbelievable offensively uh, thanks uh, to a lot part to you uh, offensively a wonderful uh, wonderful uh, team. Incredible. Right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Now, this is the skipper. This is Charlie Manuel. Uh, you, you know his voice well, but we'll remind <laughs> the listeners anyways because it is such a pleasure to have you. We appreciate the time you've had and the generosity you, you've spent here. I know you got really? rounds to make, but I'd like to ask one more question, and sort of our, our parting shot is baseball's experienced a lot of change. There's a new commissioner. There's new rules in terms of the pace of play. You're seeing an entirely new philosophy now, even with managers, and how they're managing and utilizing bullpens. You know, how that strategy worked out, you can look at Game 7 last night two different ways. Where are we with baseball right now? It's always going to be the pastime, but where are we moving forward with the game of baseball?
8: I think what you're seeing is, uh, you know, like in uh, some ways, I don't want this to, to, no way this is not a negative. Uh, But at the same time, I'm having a a kind of a hard time, you know, like uh, really getting used to it. I think that you're seeing more of a show. I think you see in that the players they uh, they 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 play like they're in the sound of music, you know. Like I mean, uh, uh, if you you know, like they get a hit, they jump up and down, they run, you know, like and they holler and they scream. Hey, look, you know, and so I'm not against that, you know. Like, but I'm I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm, I'm I'm trying to learn to watch that. And I, th- I think it is a difference. I think I think managers nowadays uh, they don't uh, you, used to be definitely you played by the percentage. If I didn't, people in Philadelphia let me know it. <laughs> you know, like I, hey, hey guys, I get a lot of attention. Uh, you know, like I get better attention now, good attention. Sure. Uh, hey, when I was a manager, you know, I got attention, but uh, you know, like a lot of it wasn't always good. But but uh. but you know, you got to overlook things like that. But really, I think the game itself. I think I think a manager's. They do things that's that they definitely don't play by the book or the percentage part of it, and 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 I think uh, you have younger you have younger people in the front office, of course, and one of these days they're going to get older as they go along, and uh, I'm definitely not against that, but at the same time the game is changing, sure. but it's a bigger stage, and that's probably what I don't need to miss. This when I say bigger stage, computerized. Uh, yep. You know, like television, uh, uh, quickness, uh, quick attention all over the United States. Matter of fact, all over the world, even in Japan now. You know, I played baseball in Japan. I used to see the Cubs play a lot, and, you know, I'd have to watch them way early in the morning. Now, in, in Japan, you're like, there's almost a, a, a games on daytime there and on night, too. Right. So, you know, like, uh, the focus on baseball is more now. You can see it more. And also, tweeting and uh, leaving messages and, and uh, Facebook and all that, every, every, everything about it. social media
1: definitely all comes into it. And, it, yeah, it's a different game. We lost a little something when they took the simplicity <laughs> out. Like, like the part of listening through radio. I was a little kid under my covers of transistor radio. You know, listening to, to Harry Callis, Richie that, Ashburn, uh, you know, guys like that you know talk about what was going on you know now everything's so computerized and everything is so tweet facebook and in your face like the political election same thing yeah you you know
8: know. you you know what's amazing is you sit there and harry callison harry callison for nine innings he could hold your attention no doubt he had your attention i think that's what made him such a great announcer's voice and the fact that he could hold your attention for for for, uh, nine innings and 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 nowadays you know we have what we have we have three or four analysts on the radio and TV and things like that. We have a whole booth full of people that going to voice their opinion. And, yeah, the whole game's changed. Yeah, you
1: got analysts analyzing the analysts. I mean, <laughs> right, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, one, in right. fact, one last question on that note. The difference between managing in Cleveland and Philadelphia, what was that like? And all that said, that some of the challenges and the benefits that come along with managing in Philadelphia – What's it mean now to be honored in the highest of honors here in Philadelphia, the Sports Hall of Fame? I think, I think uh, one, the, uh, I'd say the biggest difference is uh,
8: when we, when I, when I was in Cleveland, especially like when I was a hitting coach and later on became a manager. We, we used to fill the ballpark up every night, you know, and, and we had a lot of energy, we had life, and we were loud. But I think in in Philadelphia, but also too, I think I think when uh, uh, in Cleveland, if they if. If the media or or someone's gonna you know like if they're gonna be negative toward the players or the manager or the coaches or something like that, I think it's kind of like a modern and it's something that you kind of work into. In Philly, they just come right out and get you. I mean, it's, I mean, you like they just come out and voice their opinion and uh, and whatever. And and also too, I would say that uh, you know like uh, it's our fans. I think we have the greatest fans in the world. I mean that. And the reason I say that, cause they're very fire, and the only thing you have to do is hustle, and you know, like and, and play the game right, and, and 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 I think they definitely accept you, and and you know, like you can struggle, and if and if you play right, and you like when you when you all you got to do is just go good for a couple of days, and everything's forgotten, and, yep. uh, and and they love you, and and uh, and, and basically you know like in, in our era, and even today, you know like fans, they love coming to the ballpark. Citizens Bank Park is a great place to come and see a game a great place to to, to to watch a game. It's entertaining, and the fact that we can't hit some home runs in our yard. Chad, did it bother you at all
1: that the Game 7 of the series last night at the Jake or whatever they're calling it? this Progressive this, field. Thank you. Yep. You know, the, basically the big money from Chicago and the StubHub and whatnot kind of <laughs> pushed that and made it a Chicago home game. What do you think of that? That was a very. Odd... I, I,
8: I didn't hear you. What, yeah, what you... it
1: kind of became like a Chicago home game. Right, like they yeah. kind of bought the tickets. Uh, right, secondary market. It was yeah, a... right. What do you think of that? As an I, old school guy. You yeah. know what? I,
8: I yeah. what I think of it. I would. Uh, I don't think. Well, well, I'll say this, and I don't know what it's, it's me thinking of something, but uh, in our heyday, that would never happened in our yard because we'd already had the tickets sold. Yeah, <laughs> <Damn> right. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. thinking that. I don't think that could have happened here. No, I exactly. I I, I, and also, I don't. I don't think we would have let that happen. <laughs>
0: nope. nope. Something's wrong with that. Someone yeah. was wrong with yeah. that. In fact, the yeah. other thing I remember is the Nationals trying to take back the ballpark and keep the <laughs> right. Phillies fans yeah. out on exactly. opening day, well, game exactly. seven of the World Series. I
8: actually seen this. I actually seen in a series. Uh, uh, I forget exactly what year it was. We took over Yankee Stadium. Yeah, in I, I, that one series, you know like uh, we we took over Yankee. Yeah, it was yeah. a regular season series. Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah, remember yeah, that do. Yes. And, which it, was yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. cool. That yeah. was good. That is good. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, the Mets fans, the New York fans, have done that enough in Philly. Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, Charlie. We we appreciate you coming here. Sorry to monopolize yeah. yeah. your time, but it was a real pleasure talking baseball with you and. There couldn't be a more deserving guy to get the honor tonight. So you and B-Doc, I would say two of the guys really headlining this class. Yeah. Congratulations on that. We can't yeah. wait to see you in the main room.
8: Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and I'm looking forward to it. And believe me, guys, I think it's quite an honor. I mean, it is a great, for me, it's a great honor. Tremendous.
0: Fantastic. Well-deserved, Charlie. Well deserved, yeah. Charlie. Yeah. That was Charlie Manuel, the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. You heard him go off about everything, everything in baseball. Unbelievable, I mean, from the World Series this year to reminiscing about the moments in the 2008 run, and even us able to bring in our audience and let Charlie know that this is real. I mean, he hears it all the time, but real people. This was their moment. This was the best sporting experience that they've been a part of, and he was a part of it. I think that's that's truly incredible. And Eric he Nash. It, he Eric, gets it. Eric Nash, Rob Stop, Bob Long. He, he does get it, Eric, and I, I want to hear your final thoughts, whether it's about Charlie or about uh, the whole well, night he, as a whole. He
1: just gets it because he's just like an easy definition of a good old boy, if that's like a positive term in this day and age, but I think it is. He's just a good, regular guy who basically realizes how fortunate he is to be where he was at the time that he was catching lightning in a bottle and he's just great and he's he's thankful he's he's what's everything that's to me is that's good about sports okay you know hey, and you compare to someone like chip kelly to me it was everything that was bad about sports you know <laughs> wanting the power before you really earned it you know Ruining the team, pissing off everybody in sight, and ultimately slinking on and ruining some, another city's life. And on that positive note, <laughs> Rob, you, you, your final thought on the evening? Wait, it had to be a positive? sorry. No, Well,
2: I just think t- being able to rub shoulders with some of these the, the sports dignitaries that we've come across tonight is just unbelievable. Um, so it's a kudos, to, I think, to, uh, to our, our guy, uh, Ken, at the top. Um, you know, putting all this whole yep. thing together, and
0: Kevin Avalon,
2: Chuck, and Ruth Constantine, all everyone,
0: Ruth, everyone Ruth Constantine, Connie. and
1: Chuck Shields for sure. Oh, and it's unbelievable! Thank you. I mean, because you know, we we appreciate it. We get it too. Yeah, and we really appreciate being a part of this. Yeah, it's because we're, we're Philly through and through, and it's great. Absolutely. Different generations, but we're Philly. Absolutely, so it was great to be, here, and I hope it's a long, sort of a long relationship.
0: Yep, and we'll be making the podcast available after we finish up here tonight, as well as the individual interviews that we put together. We'll have access, for anybody that's interested, to all those interviews. So for Rob Stott, my color commentator, Philadelphia's hey. sole correspondent, great to have you, my friend, as Thank always. Thank you for having me. Eric Nash, the man, the myth, the legend. Voo, Voo Radio, I mean, this is... You are why we got here tonight. I appreciate it, and it's it's always great, my friend.
1: Well, you know what they say, thank you. But you know, even blind squirrels get an acorn every once in a while, okay? (laughs) So that's good.
0: But it was great to finally meet you, You Rob. You're really good,
1: and I like tag teaming on Bob because it's 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 like it's like it's like (laughs) handicap wrestling. Defeating against this guy, (laughs) we'll we'll take him down when he when he gives up the reins.
2: When he gives up the reins for a minute, anything can happen. we (laughs) we let it go. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. great, great play by play. So thanks, Bob. On Bob's fault, failed move to. Bring the last guest <laughs> to the table. <laughs> okay. Sorry, we won't He's hold gone. it against you, Bob. Okay. <laughs> we want to come least, back next year. At least year. After, tonight, <laughs> we, after tonight, we won't hold it against you, I promise. But thank you, Bob. You did a great job. Seriously.
0: Yeah. A great night had by all. Wonderful and deserving recipients of the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame induction, especially Charlie, especially Brian Dawkins, Dick Hoops-Weiss, who spent some time with us, Mike Missinelli, he came by as well, and then, of course... Ken Avalon, thanks to him, and thanks to everybody here that made this night a special one. We'll talk to you guys soon. This is Vuvu Radio, and it's been streaming live on Bob Long Sports.